Doing everyone, it's Mr. Christopher with Punktopia Radio Show, and tonight we have a very, very special guest who's we're we're working on it. He's he's, he's doing everything he possibly can to kind of make uh, kind of come in and whatnot. So we are going to be um, tonight. Dr. Funkenberry, Jeremiah Freed, Dr. Funkenberry is going to be on the show tonight with yours truly, and we are going to be having an absolute fun time. We're going to be chatting about all things Prince, and hopefully you guys will uh, can can stay for the duration. If not, it's okay. We will obviously be po- posting it on Patreon, and of course, once the broadcast is over, um, Jeremiah also wanted to post it on his podcast and whatnot. So you're going to be able to have access to this if you happen to miss any of it, which you hope you don't because it's, here's the other thing too, is that sometimes, sometimes, just sometimes what normally can happen, I'm going to have to mute this. What normally can happen is that um, we might say something that we shouldn't have. And then when that happens, sometimes we have to kind of remove ourselves from the mix uh, or, or remove what we said that was bad from the mix. And that's, you know, that's always a danger. And so we, we, we try to kind of avoid saying things we shouldn't have or maybe we shouldn't have divulged. Um, and that could easily happen tonight. It, it, it easily, easily could happen. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, for those of you just tuning in within these last 10 seconds or whatnot, uh, Dr. Funkenberry will be on the show this evening, and uh, he is just a little bit of a delay. I've kind of given, you know, it's it's just a little bit of a window, primarily because of the fact that he's on the uh, West Coast in California, and we're over here in Atlanta. And so there's quite a bit of a difference. So even though it's 8 o'clock at night here, it's only 5 o'clock there. And the guy's got to work. You know, you have to, we have to work. That's, everybody has regular jobs. And that's, it kind of affects the way that things are going. My daughter came in and dropped this, literally this huge pile of, of, uh, jewelry on my on my desk, and she goes unravel that, and then she walked away. Um, I've got two of them out of the mix, and I've I've still got some more to work with. So if you hear lots of jangling while somebody's talking, it's because uh, I'm listening, but I'm kind of unraveling. Oh, there's three that I got out. See, this is I'm this. Whenever something happens with Christmas lights, I'm normally the one to do this as well. But it's going to be awesome. And on top of that, we're also going to open up the phone lines. Uh, when I tell you that the phone lines are open right now, uh, while technically they are on, if you call, you're just going to sit on hold. And I don't want you to have to sit on hold because um, he's not he's not officially on yet. So just don't do that just yet because I don't want you to waste time. It's silly. You'll be fine. If you want to get in for a, a uh, question, you can do that. You're going to be able to talk with him live and it should be very, very awesome. And I'm sure that he will be more than pleased to answer your questions. And there's a lot of questions that people have. And I'm probably, I may, I might, I might be hitting on some of the questions that you have. And um, there's some things that have kind of been spiraling around and a lot of questions about different things and, and 
this is one of the things that's going to be very, very interesting about this show tonight is that uh, both uh, Jeremiah and myself are very, very passionate about our subject matter. And that subject matter obviously is Prince and also in our primary goal, which is obviously to protect Prince's legacy. That's what we do here on this radio station. That's the reason why we have this radio station is because there's no other radio uh, online. There is no other station anywhere online terrestrial or otherwise that does what we do nobody it's pretty much a prince radio station i mean we have the prince blocks from 6 a.m to 12 p.m eastern standard time and also 6 p.m to 12 a.m so 12 hours a day is primarily prince and even outside of those hours we are playing so much prince it's kind of ridiculous it's it might as well be a prince radio station with just some smatterings of other artists but we had to kind of do that just to kind of break up some of the things because we just can't be just, we're called Funkatopia. But the reality of it is, is that a majority of our listeners, a mass majority of our listeners are all Prince fans, which is why you're here, which is why you're tuned in because you love the Prince stories and you love hearing things. And that's kind of why we're here. Um, anyways, uh, I'm really excited about tonight's show. I know that I started talking about um, oh four. I got four of these uh, of these pieces of jewelry out of the mix, so we're doing good. Uh, I don't know how many more I have to go. Maybe a three. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I'm like a child. I get easily diver- diverted um, <clears throat> or distracted is more the uh, the probably the the proper word. Anyways, hold on a second. Let me take a sip. Um, <clears throat> I know we probably have a lot of new listeners that have probably never listened to Funked Up tonight because um, Jeremiah went onto his page and he actually announced that he was going to be on the show tonight. <clears throat> so we've got a lot of listeners from all over the world uh, that re- listen to the show very, very regularly. If you're new to Funked Up, as I had already explained, this radio station is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all prints. I mean, it's, I mean, well, a majority prints. Every single day we do a Prince Block from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we also do a Prince Block from 6 p.m. until 12 a.m. So both 6 to 12s. So that's 12 hours of Prince programming that you get every single day, seven days a week. And on those special occasions, for instance, like during the celebration, it was 24-7 Prince. And during the month of June, we typically, in honor of his birthday, which he typically didn't like to celebrate, but that's okay because we do, because we're, that's just habitual of us as human beings to celebrate people's birthdays. Uh, we do it anyways because we celebrate, again, we do 24-7 Prince during the week of his birthday. So you get... There's no other station that plays as much Prince as we do and the deep, the deeper cuts as well, which is amazing. I mean, um, the cuts that we do are just kind of, I mean, we do all of his albums, every single song, uh, tried to kind of tame it down a little bit as far as like the, the, the songs and stuff that, you know, have a lot of profanity because we also realize, um, we also realize that a lot of people listen at work and maybe are playing this on their on their desktop, uh, at work. And so, you know, we, we, we can't have, um, like we can't have like some cuts, some of the excerpts and segues from, uh, from the album come like the orgasm excerpt or whatever going on while people are trying to work. It's a little bit distracting. And if anybody walks by, people are like, what are you looking at? What are you watching? I'm not watching anything. I'm listening. 
So if you are new to Funked Up, welcome. Thank you so, so much for joining us. We uh, we are, again, a 24-7 radio station. No commercials. There are no commercials on our radio station. Um, not for any other reason. Just we've, we've actually had a couple of people, a uh, couple places, well, actually many places come that have asked to do commercials. But the reality of it is, is that it's just not worth it. It's just um, from a monetary, if the right dollar amount came, we, we would probably do it. Uh, but <clears throat> we want to make sure that everything that kind of happens here has some relevance. Relevance is very, very important on this radio station. It needs to be music. Re- we would prefer for it to be music related. Uh, every now and then, if there's you know a special event, you know I think you know like last year there was a Prince cruise that was happening. Um, it was not anything that was ordained by Paisley Park, but we were affiliated with that with that cruise, and we did we did some advertising. Um, we had a commercial that ran like once every three hours or something like that. So it's not, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. The amount of music that you get for, for nothing. It doesn't cost you anything to listen. This is a free radio station. Hope you guys like it. If you do love what you're hearing, uh, or if you've just tuned in and you're checking it out and you do want to support us, you can absolutely do that. There is a donate button that's right there on the app, as well as being able to support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash Funkatopia. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Funkatopia, F-U-N-K-A. T-O-P-I-A. And uh, there's all kinds of really cool stuff. I, I send out Prince gifts. I mean, a lot of times I'll send some of our supporters vinyl. I've sent them uh, like collector magazines, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, because I that's just because that's what we do here. Uh, you take care of us and we help take care of you. We keep bringing you the music. And as long when you help to keep us online and keep supporting Prince's legacy, uh, that is really what we're all about. And we definitely appreciate any support that we can get. So if you want to support us, that's how you do it. Again, tonight, our special guest will be Dr. Funkenberry. He'll be joining us shortly. And uh, I just kind of wanted to obviously reach out and make sure that you were aware of exactly what you were listening to if you are new here. And it seems that they're looking at the listenership right now. There are quite a bit of new listeners. So welcome. Welcome to Funked Up. Welcome to the Funkatopia radio show. You've probably also heard quite a bit of um, of bumpers, those little tidbits that happen in the middle of uh, songs. You know, you've heard this is Dr. Fink and you're listening to Funkatopia. This is Ingrid Chavez and you're listening to Funkatopia. This is Jellybean and you're listening to Funkatopia. That's because a lot of these people have actually been on this show and we actually have a huge collection of those uh, interviews and whatnot. If you wanted to ever check those out, you can just go to soundcloud.com and you can uh, listen to any of those interviews there. Or you can also go to iTunes. Go to iTunes, look up Funkatopia. Our show is also on iTunes as as well so you can listen to the show there so again welcome for all you newbies out there you are about to get funked up for sure and as i've said probably about a half a dozen times dr funkenberry will be joining us tonight you know this is uh, a guy who i it, it's really kind of interesting his career and his path uh and how he kind of got involved with prince uh, everything that he has done for Prince since he started, you know, putting together, doing little things, just kind of being your average everyday fan who kind of went a little bit above and beyond, started kind of 
putting together things like uh, a mailing list, you know, trying to kind of go to different locations and kind of extract email addresses from different places to kind of put together a Prince News email uh, uh, list. And some of the things that he was doing got the attention of Paisley Park and got the attention of Prince himself. And the next thing you know, he was pretty much wrapped up very, very intimately with Prince and everything that uh, was going on in the Prince world. But um, it's lots of interesting stories about, you know, his level of involvement, how much they wanted him to be involved and, you know, what they were willing to offer him, you know, for, you know, for those, for those things and for those duties. I got to stop messing with all these, with all these pieces of jewelry, but it's just, it's kind of like seeing a little bit of a weird puzzle in front of you and you're wanting to take advantage of it. Um, so, but anyways, he has so many print stories and so many really cool, uh, thoughts and perceptions on a lot of the things that are going on right now currently with Paisley Park uh, as well as some of the things um, that are happening in in the Prince world and what's really interesting is that um, for for lack of a better term and I can't really think of and I think I was saying this a little bit on on Facebook live um, is that for some reason or another, whatever that reason may be, to some people, Dr. Funkenberry is a very polarizing figure sometimes. There are a lot of people that really just don't have a whole bunch of night. They have a lot of keyboard bravery and they say a lot of negative things about him. Uh, on the, if he you know, shares his opinion about something, it's people get really, really upset and really kind of bent out of shape. It's almost, it's kind of like that celebrity factor because Prince has given, um, given Jeremiah a lot of attention. You know, he's even mentioned him in, in magazine articles, you know, talking about, you know, uh, I mean, I remember the first time that I saw Prince talk about Dr. Funkenberry in a interview. I mean, so let me try that again in an interview. And I was so surprised by, I was so surprised to see that because normally Prince doesn't go out of his way to kind of talk to or really support much of anybody. Um, So I was obviously that was an envious moment for me. And uh, because, you know, I also had been kind of working very, very diligently to try to help support Prince in various forms or fashions. And, And eventually I did get his attention many, many times. Uh, he did actually flip the switch on on me personally, and he started tweeting about Funkatopia quite often. He uh, he also did uh, his, his Facebook post about Funkatopia quite often. Um, sadly enough, it was uh, one of his last tweets that he did before he passed away was tweeting about Funkatopia. I did a full review of his Atlanta concerts. I was at both of them at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. And I kind of did a full set list and kind of talked about what was going on there, the vibe, uh, the way the stage was set up, and just kind of really went into detail about the show. And um, he tweeted on, uh, well, obviously on Twitter, that's where you tweet. Um, He put audio perfection and then he put the URL to my review in the middle of it. But that was the last time that he tweeted about me. Before that, there was about probably at least a half a dozen other times that he had actually tweeted about or, or did a Facebook post about a review that I did, whether it was Leanne LeHavis or whatever it was. If he thought that it was a positive review, that's essentially what he would do to say thank you for doing a review. He gave a little bit of a push and I could always tell when it happened because the servers would always come to a crawl because we're on a shared server 
And we actually had to move servers over to a stronger, a little bit more agile server because every single time that he would talk about Funkatopia, I literally had to move servers because of Prince. Because every time that he did that, like the website would get come to a crawl and thing. I mean, a lot of you who have been with us for a long time, you'll remember when this happened. And um, I... I was so blessed to even be on his radar and I've, I'm not going to go through my entire stories of everything that I did and everything that happened with me, um, in, in my life, as far as my involvement with Prince and some of the times, you know, the, the couple of times that I actually got to meet him and whatnot. Um, those are all stories that are already documented on Funkatopia and, um, so it was, it was just really, really refreshing to kind of find somebody like Jeremiah, who has kind of been out there doing the same thing as me. And, and then in reality, he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. Um, when I started, I actually did it. I, I started in the early 2000s as far as kind of migrating. I had a music website uh, that was called slabmusic.com, which stood for Southern Local Area Bands. That was uh, It was just to support local musicians. And that I actually started about 95 and that had been online and it had gotten a lot of traction, a lot of traction. But the reality of it was it was just too much to keep up because I was supporting unsigned bands and doing all this other stuff and kind of helping, you know, move things forward. I was doing music festivals and it was getting a lot of traction, but the reality of it is, is just one night. I just, I, I, I felt like I really, really had to kind of push forward and I had to create something uh, anything um, that I could really, really feel passionate about. And I really kind of felt like I was drowning in all the details. So I just, I just stopped. It was just, I just had enough and I just stopped. I said, I just can't do this. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. So I stopped doing slabmusic.com for probably about a year. And then when I picked it back up, that's when I started Funkatopia. And uh, it's been doing really, really well. Obviously, here we are many, many years later. And uh, it's been it's been great because I've been able to focus on the music that I really, really love, which is funk, R&B, and soul. And of course, Prince is a very, very centralized figure in that. Um, so when I started to kind of see some of the players that were out there, when I started to, you know, uh, when I, and I finally stumbled upon uh, Funkenberry, I, I just found it interesting. It was really intriguing to me how much that Prince continually reached out to him and continually became the the source of a lot of Prince news. I mean, he would be the front line. He would be the first person to actually get notification of a Prince dance party or something that was going on at Paisley Park or, or a special event or a special concert event. It was very rare. So I almost prided myself for a little bit of trying to beat him to the punch, you know, trying to figure out ways that I could find out the information before Funkenberry. And I, that I became almost obsessed with that <laughs> in a certain period of time in my life where I was just like, I got to get somehow I got to get this information before he does. But he was always taking it to the next level. You know, even if I was able to find something out even mere minutes before he did, Prince would send him an actual graphic, like there'll be, it might be a dance party at Paisley park and Prince would send him a poster. Uh, and I was like, how the hell you got a poster? I, I didn't get a poster. I, <laughs> we're going to get the poster. Um, and I think the last time, and so it, I think it was always a game and not really a game, but it was always like a challenge for me to try to get 
find out about Prince news and information and kind of putting like little lines in the water, like, you know, making sure the Google alerts were there, um, you know, kind of making sure that I, um, making sure that I was kind of always ahead of the game as much as I possibly could. But it, it always fails that 80% of the time, Funkenberry would beat me to the punch and he would always do a post before I was able to do a post, except for that last time. The last time that I was able to beat him to the punch was when Prince passed. When Prince died, I remember exactly where I was sitting, exactly what I was doing. And I remember the, the story started coming up about uh, an ambulance being outside of Paisley Park. And of course, there was all this speculation and people were kind of freaking out and going back and forth. And I was, just, you know, one of the things that I had said, um, because, you know, I had a little bit of a forum at that point, And I, I just, I, I, it was pretty big for him, actually. And I said, um, you know, anybody that is, is, is ill or injured or worse in the Paisley Park family is not a good thing. We, there's there's nobody that I can think of that works inside of that building uh, that I would want any harm to come to, um, just because of the fact that I just I I couldn't I couldn't fathom it. I couldn't, and God forbid it would be Prince because I don't know that I I, I couldn't breathe. It was just it was just the overwhelming fear of the possibility of it being him was just. Uh, I, I, I didn't even want to think about it. And I remember being on TMZ and I remember uh, TMZ kept doing these random updates about, uh, about him, about the ambulances and stuff. And, and I was, I, and then, it, then it was a hearse and I was like, Oh, well, so this just went from bad to worse. And I just kept refreshing that page and refreshing that page and refreshing that page and for some, it was like every minute I would go back and I would refresh the TMZ homepage and I'd refresh it and I'd breathe a sigh of relief that I wasn't seeing anything insanely negative. I was like, okay, all right. Okay. All right. All right. And then I go back and refresh the page again. And there it was Prince dead at 57. And I literally felt like I, I immediately, well, there, there was, there was two things that were happening. First off, I didn't want to believe what I was reading, but I also knew that TMZ is very, very animate and very, um, very particular about announcing anything because they, they're just, I mean, first off, they, their whole entire team is pretty much legal. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, whatever, those guys, whatever his name is, um, those guys are all lawyers. So they realize the repercussions of putting out news that is not, is not true, especially when it comes to something like that. So I knew that there really wasn't too much confirmation more that I would need in order to verify that that story was true. So I immediately went to Funkatopia and I put it up there. And I got it up there quick and I kind of saved the information. I had screen captured the, you know, the TMZ homepage and linked to it and said, I, if you don't believe me here, it is here. Uh, you know, and I, I don't even remember exactly what I wrote. It'd be interesting to kind of go back and see exactly what it was that I had written that day about his passing. And I remember that my next reaction was, you know, okay, I, I put it out there. I, I've, I've pretty much verified what, 
what TMZ has said. But what I found interesting more than anything else is that I went to Dr. Funkenberry's website at the time. And uh, it still is website, but he really doesn't do a whole bunch of updating to it. And I kept refreshing his page, waiting to see when he would announce it. And, and, and it wasn't just me. There were so many people that were were just all over the place, just scampering, asking him, is it true? Please tell us it's not true. Please tell us it's not true. It's like they didn't want to hear what any of the news, CNN was had it on there. TMZ had it on there. I mean, I had it on there, but I'm nobody. Uh, all the major news organizations were putting it out there, but Jeremiah refused to put it up there until he could physically call somebody at Paisley Park and verify it for himself. And he did. He verified it for himself. And it probably was, I would say, it seemed like an hour, but it was probably closer to about a half hour. But somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour later, after I had posted that Prince had passed away, he then posted that he has, he officially confirmed it, that Prince had passed. And all of the thought that I had up to that point of beating him to the punch no longer made a difference. I was just like, this is the one time, this is the one time that I wish that I had not been that guy. I wished that I was not the one to break the news. But unfortunately, uh, it was the last time that I was ever concerned about getting news onto my website before Funkenberry. I just, I was not, I was like this, there's, there's no win in this. There's no win in it. I'm just, I could care. I really honestly could care less. There is no win in this particular, uh, in this particular post. Um, so all that being said, I've always kind of I've always been intrigued by Jeremiah's story and his rise from where he started to where he is now, how he's doing, how he's dealing with grief, how he's dealing with his health. All those things are all are all there. And it's important to know, you know, exactly how um how it all works out. And let me see here. Um I'm trying to uh, all right. So, I mean, it, it, it's important to kind of see how all this stuff plays out. And here's what we're going to do. Um, hold on. We're going to play a song real quick. And then what we're going to do is when we come back, we'll have Dr. Funkenberry. Welcome to the airwaves of the Funkatopia radio show and funked up Jeremiah Freed, a.k.a. Dr. Funkenberry. How are you, brother? Why can't we just dance? Why can't we just dance? Good evening, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> you feeling good? You feeling all right? I'm feeling. Uh, that's what it comes down to. Uh, let you know that you're alive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know you've kind of you were dealing with a lot of you know a lot of health issues and whatnot. So I know a lot of people were concerned because you you went quiet for a little bit. So there was some you know people were always you know asking me, hey, have you talked to talk to Jeremiah and see if he's all right. And I was like, we don't really talk a whole bunch, but you know, we'll check. So I was, I was glad to actually be able to get you on the show and, you know, have you be able to tell them in person. 
So, that right. Health isn't exactly, well, it could be part of the reason why I took a break, but there's other reasons. I don't really want to get into or specify too much, but I'm here. It's all about pushing through. Everyone has their struggles. We're all in this together, where it's health, whether it's work, whether it's uh, friends or family or whatever. Everyone got their something. We all got to push through it. Yeah, it can be quite an undertaking. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, both you and and myself, we don't, you know, we don't get paid for anything that we do. I mean, we have our supporters, obviously, that, that support through donations and whatnot, but we're not, we're not ordained by Paisley Park or anything. Everything that we do is solely in, in, in the whole point of it is to just continue Prince's legacy and to protect it. What does your future look like for your blog, uh, for your podcast? I know you've kind of been mentioning that you're kind of going to kick it up a little bit, uh, kick up the notch a little bit. What is your, what does your next six months look like as far as your podcast and your blog is concerned? Next six months, it's always even harder to think about what's going to happen over the next six hours or days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, I've been kind of, since he passed, since 4-21-16, the website hasn't been as active as it used to, where it used to cover everything and whatnot, because stuff will get up so quick through Instagram, through Twitter, through Facebook, and... Facebook is kind of like hurt blogs and whatever just because, you know, unless you have a very catchy title that's clickbait and your first paragraph, you can answer every single person's question, but in the comments of Facebook, it'll still be asking questions that will be in the second line of the post. So to kind of like have that just kind of hurt stuff, so you just kind of got to do through do stuff through Twitter, through Facebook, through Instagram, through podcast. Um, and unfortunately, there isn't like a video cast format that I like too much. As many people know, we did the spree cast when he worked with Prince on that. Um, but it's just about being more, <clears throat> I wouldn't say in your face, just more out there. And I would like to do more stuff with the blog uh, where we're just kind of reporting on everything that's happening the purple family or the purple circle and other things plus like i have still i still get invited to to listening parties and other stuff for other artists so i may be doing that again as well not sure if that'll be on the blog but it'll definitely be on social media because content is king and you need that but uh those are just the things to do just be be everywhere without um you know, having any restrictions, so to speak. Yeah, and I know that you were one of the early adopters of, you know, helping support Adam Lambert. And, you know, now, that has, have you been in touch with him or has he reached out to you at all since he signed on with Queen or what's what's going on there? Man, I haven't seen Adam in a few years. I probably need to put in some flashback Thursday or throwback Thursday photos um, of us <laughs> now. Um, but I'm, I believe he's still got the same manager. Uh, my girl wants to see Queen when they hit up the forum in a couple months to take her dad, so I'm going to make that happen. Um, but I haven't been in contact with him as much, uh, but he has blown up. You know, it's, I'm sure maybe not in the way that he wanted, although he will this Sunday be performing uh, his new single on American Idol. 
not sure if Queen is backing them up on that. I think that's a solo project, but you know, there's been a lot of people that I was on early on my website that have blown up, like Adam, like The Weeknd, like Drake. So I was on that stuff way early. Like, if you start searching, you're seeing stuff on The Weeknd in 2008, 2009, when no one knew who his identity was. So I'm kind of proud of things like that, of my ear for talent and being able to see other things. Um, just like when we were all about Amy Winehouse and uh, we'd be in line at a Nika Costa show in LA talking about it and then the next day Prince does his uh, you know uh, a press conference and he's mentioning her and I'm like dude what the hell you know but <laughs> I do just one of those things um, but I wish Adam nothing but the best and more success with Queen and with other stuff. Same with The Weeknd and same with some other people. There's a new female actor I'm going to be checking out next week. And uh, if I'm commenting on, about her or posting about her, that means probably in the next uh, three years or whatnot, she's going to blow up too. Yeah, it's always good to kind of be in front of that type of stuff. I remember when, when I was um, – I had kind of been – paying attention to this this girl at the time who was not she was not well known which was everybody it's, it's Dua Lipa and she happened to be coming through Atlanta she hadn't even released her first album yet but I had already heard a couple of tracks from her and I said she's gonna be friggin huge and so when she came through Atlanta it was a really small venue and I got um I got my daughter tickets to go see her in this really small venue and she was like yeah she's really really good and the next thing you know she's everywhere and it's it's always a sense of pride yeah. to be ahead of those things it's pretty awesome I mean it's ridiculous I mean, you're seeing Katy Perry at Hotel Cafe for about what 30 35 people maybe right and now there's no way that's going to happen. And it's just like with Amy Winehouse, we were on it before a lot of other people. That's why when she passed away, like the site had ridiculous hits. Um, I think probably, I think we had 500,000 in the first hour. That was like our second most popular story ever. But it's just, it's just amazing, especially when you're able to check these out. I mean, Bruno Mars playing the Zanzibar Cafe, stuff like that that we were just on, and we knew that he would blow up, you know? But it's just interesting because a lot of these places that I would frequent and check out new acts, like all of a sudden, in the middle of the show, always to my right, someone would end up right behind me, and it was always Prince. I can be going to these shows, checking out people. There's a DJ that I like at Zanzibar Cafe named Rashida. All of a sudden, Prince is interested in the way that she spins. DJ Rashida's born. All this other stuff starts happening. It's just, I can't tell you how many times it happened. Like, it would just be right over my right shoulder. And then when people would start looking at me later in the show, I'd be like, he's behind me again, isn't he? Like, it just, <laughs> he had ridiculous for talent too you know so it was just crazy especially when he was hanging in LA a lot more so than Minneapolis and Paisley Park yeah so tell people a little bit I mean I don't think a lot of people know your story as far as your your background as how you got started in the whole Prince universe uh, and just 
it's I know that it's kind of, it's it's a little bit difficult to kind of go too far back, but you know how exactly did you start going from a Prince fan to actually being being more and more involved in the first time that you were contacted by him, you know, in some form or fashion, and and kind of tell people a little bit about that story. Man, I think I was a fan like since. I was born, I think the radio was playing when I was born and the doctor slapped my butt and that was on beat, it was on the two and four. Um, his music just uh, played a, a pretty important role in my life at a very young age and I was a fan. Uh, unfortunately, growing up poor and whatnot, trying to beg to, to go to certain tours and get the latest magazine that, that he's on the cover of uh, was somewhat difficult. And, uh, you know, even in the times where he was unpopular, I'd still be repping Prince and uh, getting clowned for having a love sexy cover. <laughs> we, all, yeah, um, we all went through that. <laughs> Oh man, like I, I would have my friends come over to watch the football games at my place later on in life, and I had the love sexy poster of him naked, and it was on the couch behind oh, them. Why would you have the poster? It was hard enough for me to go out and actually buy the album and go into the record store and purchase it. I had to put something on top. You actually went the extra mile and got the poster. That's I got amazing. That in <laughs> It was on the wall, and they didn't realize it. They're watching, like, oh my God. And, and then they're seeing, like, when the TV turns to black for a minute between commercials or whatnot, then they're like, what? Then they look back, like, man, what is this above us? I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, look, you got common to look at. You guys are sitting there for a while. You didn't even realize it. Chill out. Um, but back to things, like, and then the 90s happened. You know, it was going through the name change. A lot of people were dissing him. I didn't know a lot of people that uh, liked Prince. And it felt like the last people that really dug Prince, aside from like maybe a couple people in high school, was elementary. And um, I just wanted to kind of meet other fans. Now keep in mind, there was no Facebook, there was none of this stuff, it was hard. I had to like save up my money and get a used computer. It was around 1998, and I couldn't wait to jump online and meet other fans. And then, like, I'm going through uh, some sites, and apparently he just, like, sued Yahoo groups and a bunch of these other pages that would be, like, Facebook fan pages or Facebook groups uh, that had his image. Him and Londell McMillan, like, sued everybody. So the web was, like, wiped clean of all Prince photos and stuff like that. And then I get on there, and there's only these sites that are talking mess about him. And I'm like, why would you devote so much time and energy into someone that you don't like anymore? It made no sense to me. And, you know, we see Twitter now. We see other things and how it can be a very much of a cesspool. It was a cesspool then. And I'm like, well, how am I going to meet other fans? And then I thought, well, he's got a problem with other websites aside from his own. Maybe he didn't say anything about email. So I started up an email list and would be going through like AOL member profiles looking for prints or the artists only known as or song titles because if you punched in prints you just get a bunch of girls. You have to kiss a lot of songs to you find your prints. <laughs> but I would do that stuff and go and go through other uh 
other GeoCities and LevitAOL.com to find people and build my audience and ask people if they'd be cool with it. Then I started putting out something called <clears throat> the 777 update and uh, just started putting out that list of Prince news and other things that I was hearing, being here in LA. You always get a little bit more exclusive news than other people have and sharing it. And some people, like, there's maybe like two people out of a few thousand that were like asking me about the list. Other times I'd have people wanting to get added to the list. So that was kind of like my way of getting on. And, um, you know, later on, because we'll jump around a bit, but later on, like, there was, I think it was a second uh, website that he had. And then I get like this email that says interesting, peace and be wild. And it had like it was like peace at MPG online LTD dot com or something like that. And then uh so I just kept saying that person my updates to one time when I didn't send them an update because the order didn't want to carry my stuff anymore. Maybe it was just too positive, who knows? Um I didn't send it to that address. And he goes, where's our update? I said, I'm sorry, I didn't think you wanted it. He's like, we have no problem with positivity and the way that you word things. We actually look forward to it. And I was told later on that that was Prince. But that was my second interaction with him. But, you know, it was just crazy. It was like almost immediately. And I don't want to ramble. I want to see if you have any follow-up questions before I get into like my first you know, contact was probably within a few months of getting that used computer, that bulky computer. Well, and I know that you, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you start a little kind of a, a passion project because you're, you're trying to, and I think that's how a lot of big things happen is that a lot of people don't realize this, that a lot of things that are successful start out with a passion. I mean, something that somebody's really, really passionate about. And I think that you know, that's how Funkatopia happened for me. That's how the email list started for you. And I think that, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, if you're just trying to figure out some type of get rich quick thing or get successful quick thing, the first the first very, very important ingredient in the recipe for that is to be passionate about whatever it is that you are doing. And I think that's kind of where the difference is, is between what you were doing as opposed to what everybody else was doing. Everybody else was just kind of just piling on to the little forums and the email list and everything and all the, you know, at those that they had the BBS boards and all those different things at that time. And, but you actually took it to the next level and were able to put something together that, you know, actually proved useful. And what was actually probably impressive to me more than anything is that, you know, I, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm an old dude. I'm, I'm not old, old. I mean, I'm, I'm 50, but I mean, I was definitely using computers at that time. And I don't think that I ever, um, I, I have to admire the fact that you kind of went above and beyond and were really kind of putting something together like this, uh, that, that really focused on Prince and actually, you know, actually got his attention. But when was the first time that you physically met him? Physically met him. See, I was keeping my distance from him. Like, and why was that? Because I would know people that ended up working for him and then they ended up not liking him afterwards or not being able to listen to his music. And because his music was such a fiber of my being growing up, like, I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his music. I had a, I had a pretty tough childhood, um, and his music was an escape. Like songs like uh, Free For Me meant a lot. Uh, 
because I, I was behind a wall. You know, I grew up in placements and other things, and it felt like doing time and doing service because uh, I would be in a place where people, where kids committed crimes or uh, odd people or stab people or shot people, and I was there because uh, I had no one to, um, I guess, adopt me or do whatever, so I was in this placement, and it was... Um, difficult so his music to me was like that escape you know and mm. it meant a lot so I didn't want to um, have that ruined because his music plays such an important role in my life for so long and um, I was afraid you know but he saw me at the concerts you know not knowing who I was at the time and uh, I would just try not to be on the radar. Like, say, um, Sam Jennings in 2002, like, he knew who I was. And then, like, when I got to one of the after shows, he was like, I was wondering when you'd show up. And I was trying to be so low on the radar. I was trying to be how these people are online that talk mess. But I was a person online that was just trying to help get the word out, help promote. I wasn't trying to look for any um, way in or, uh, you know, avenue to him. So it was just keeping that wall. It was like messages in the music club uh, forum, messages in the chat room, uh, where I'd be talking with obviously him and a few other people, and then just, you know, looking out for me at uh, press conferences or TV show appearances like the Allen show. Um, and then 2006, things just started opening up a lot more for me. But still, I'd be at the house parties, and I would only be going to the ones that were flooded with people. So it'd be harder for him to recognize me and go, oh, that's that, that's a guy I always see at all the concerts. Um, and again, still not knowing who I am online, because J7 at the time, um, on the online world, there was no Instagram, no Facebook, no Twitter was still uh, was pretty popular, and I liked the J7 thing because you got a lot of love. Um, I remember one time at the Oscar party, though, in 2006, he for sure recognized me and, like, was banging my shoulder, and he was trying to get me to turn because him and Tamar were going to take a photo. He was trying to get me to turn into the photo, and I wouldn't do it. I've asked Ashley to go through this, and I know that he still needs to. But I refused to turn. I refused to be in the shot. And still, it'd be like this little uh, game of cat and mouse. Like when the guys were working on the Lotus Flower website, Anthony Malzone and Scott Clay, like Prince was taking a lot of advice of what I was doing, uh, what I was putting out there on my website for ideas of things to do. And they were... Uh, I guess, as you were saying before in the pre-show, like a polarizing figure or whatnot, they were worried about me. And then I met Scott in person, and he's like, okay, we're going to bring you on to help with Lotus Flower and all this stuff. And then they told Prince, and he's like, all right, that's cool. And then Scott was like, so how long have you known Funkenberry? And he's like, know him. I know of him. I know he's been to the house. He doesn't want me to know who I am. So... 
they were kind of intimidated by that because here's a person that I'm writing stuff online and then he's ending up doing it, you know, so they didn't understand, wait, he's never met you and you're taking his advice. They were kind of tripping out on it. Um, and then he tried during the Lotus Flower area, era <laughs> to get me to a house party that was girls only. So I would stick out and he would know who I was. And I was like, nope. I called his assistant because someone else invited me. And she's like, no, no, the guest list is all females. He's trying to figure out who you are. Don't go. So I didn't go. <laughs> and how he did find out who I was years later we're at the last night of the forum run in 2011 of the 21 nights. And the 21st show was at his house. And um, I just met his assistant, his new assistant the night before, Julia Ramadan. And she didn't know my whole thing of not wanting him to know who I was. Karen knew, the band knew. And with the band, I really only introduced myself to Morris Hayes and Shelby like maybe a month or so uh, before this happened, right? And we're at his house. We're just chilling at the end of the night watching, after he performed at his house, we're chilling at the end of the night watching footage of that night's show. And uh, I never talked to them before. I'd be at the house parties. He'd ask if I wanted anything to drink. I just want to look at him, and whoever I was with would talk with him. Um, but while we're working, walking out, I said, thank you. And then, um, I believe Julia said something like, wow, the Funkenberry, the Funkenberry guy is pretty cool. I didn't think he'd be like that. And he's like, wait, he was here. And he's like, yeah, it's that guy. And then Prince put everything together. The face that he's seen at so many shows on the West coast, some in Minneapolis. And now he knew that J7 became Funkenberry, but to know all those three things that Jeremiah's face, J7 of Funkenberry. Immediately he had Karen reach out to me and send me an email that Prince wants you to run his new website and his social media accounts. Now I wasn't gonna do that for free, we'll just get into that. Um, and then the next time he was in LA with Andy Allo, uh, Julia calls me and says, he wants you to come to the studio. And I said, no. And she was like, what? And I go, look, I told you. This whole thing of us texting or us emailing and it's through other people has worked out really well. I just think it's like that. I used to call myself, or not me, but a friend named Sarah used to call me like the digital Claire Fisher because that's something that, that Claire Fisher and Prince never did was they, they worked together but never met. And I kind of liked it being like that. And Julia was like, okay, I'll tell him. And I just kind of thought about it. I go, you know, here it is. He wants to meet. It's been so long. I guess I shouldn't come off as such a dick. Um, but Julia called back, and he goes, and she goes, he wants you at the studio at midnight. I went, all right. And that's, you know, that night uh, I was already going to an event. Was dressed up in my suit and my church shoes, as he called them. And I went to the studio. And I walked in, and Prince just had the biggest smile on his face. He gave me the brother handshake and, like, thanked me for posting some audio on Andy because uh, he said if I didn't post it, he wouldn't have been able to hear it. But that was that. I mean, it took years because I was trying to avoid him. You know, everyone else, I think, sometimes was trying to get to him for something, and I just wanted to help promote him, you know. Yeah, and I think that's kind of unusual because a lot of people, I mean, so many people are, are that are obsessed with 
with Prince and just wanting to get involved with Prince. And even the first, I mean, from the very, very first introduction, uh, I, the whole time you're telling the story, I was, I, that's exactly what I was thinking was the Claire Fisher story. And for those who, who aren't familiar, for those who are Prince fans, but maybe, you know, don't know some of the minutia of some of the people that are involved in the Prince world, Claire Fisher was the, um, was the gentleman who actually did a lot of the string arrangements for most of the Prince, the early Prince stuff that you hear uh, that happened in the eighties and, 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 uh, some of the nineties as well. And he did so so many string arrangements, but what's interesting is, is that Prince never, ever got an opportunity to actually meet him. And the first project that they had actually done, uh, they had actually worked in, um, they had actually, uh, I guess the first project that he, that Prince had actually fully given to Claire worked out so phenomenally well that pr- it was actually Prince's idea to kind of avoid meeting Claire because he was like, I, I can't believe that this, this person is so in sync with what, what I'm doing that um, I didn't, I didn't have to be in the same room. I didn't have to direct anything. And then every single project that he gave Claire moving forward had the exact same result. It was exactly what Prince had envisioned. And there was obviously a lot of cases that had happened in that process where he didn't use, um, he didn't use Claire's work and he may have, you know, set it to the side and just decided not to use it. I can, I'm trying to think of a, you know, there's a bunch of the songs that actually had arrangements done, but it was funny because I had actually done an interview. I'm kind of giving you a little bit of a, of a vocal break, <laughs> Jeremiah. Um, and what was interesting is that I had interviewed, uh, uh, Ben, his, um, uh, uh, his son, it's Ben, right? I think it is. Yeah. And he, um, and he, um, said that, yeah, the, the two of them never met, but they were actually at the Grammys and Claire was, uh, I guess Claire was getting an award. No, it wasn't Claire. Prince was getting an award. And apparently, uh, Claire came, it was later on in, in his life and he was walking his father up, up the ramp because he could, you know, he couldn't go up the steps. He was walking up the ramp and they literally were standing like seven feet from each other. And I think it was Steve Park, I think, that managed to get a photo of them standing right next to each other, but they still never met each other. They never introduced each other. It, it, it's the only time they were in the same room and they didn't even recognize it. It was almost the same exact thing that happened with you and Prince and Tamar, although it was just... So I find it really interesting that you really that you kind of went the exact opposite direction that everybody else would go, and maybe Prince yeah. was quite drawn to that because that's really been his whole entire career is to try to figure out ways to avoid attention, you know, from media and just kind of limiting access to him and some of the things that he was doing. Um, so I, I I do find that intriguing. Was there a story where you were, or maybe I just I. I misheard it or something where you were riding in a car with Prince listening to music? Yeah, that was um, in 2013, right before the Montreux shows that basically are just quite amazing in itself. Every show that he does is amazing, but he took it to another level with those Montreux shows. Yeah. Um, we He flew me out to Paisley to see a rehearsal of uh, the Montreux setup. And then they were going to open up Paisley a little bit later, but he wanted to me to see it. But then what I didn't know was, like, uh, he 
wanted to talk for a few hours about some things. We ended up like, after they performed, um, privately, it was just me there, Trevor Guy, Joshua Wilson, Kirk Johnson, and the entire band. So it's just, you know, Prince sometimes I think was trying to do power moves, you know, trying to impress you. You know, of course, I ain't no fine female, but uh, still was trying to impress me in a way just because I know that his assistant at the time when I was going to Hollywood parties kept trying to drop names of who was going to be there. And I'm like, yeah, I ran into him at the supermarket the other day. Like, you got to do a little bit better than that. Um, so he was trying to do that little power move. It's just me watching everything. But it's amazing. I mean, you get to see Prince play at Paisley Park, and it's basically for you, you know, but they're just running through the show that they're going to do at Montreux, and you're – what he played at Montreux with Third Eye Girl, I got to see that, and only me. You know that was amazing. I wouldn't say the power play worked, but you know it was just really cool because he's been wanting to get me there for a while to check out rehearsals and check out stuff. And it sometimes be like 17 below, and I get like a text from him because he like I would, you know, text stuff to uh, his assistant. I I put something on Twitter and tell him to check it out. And then Julia would be like, you're making him like bust up laughing over here. And he wants to know uh, when you're going to come in and check out the new band or check out the new music or, hey, I got this, you know. So um, it was cool. What I didn't know was is that, like, you know, I thought I was just going to go back to the hotel, you know, and he's like, you got, you want to talk? I'm like, sure. You know, you already gave me like a notepad and whatever to take uh, notes of the shows. So we ended up talking for about three hours. We talked about the vault. We talked about the music industry like we normally do. We talked about Extra Lovable and some other things going on. We argued about the Masters again and uh, YouTube <clears throat> and taking down videos. And then, uh, you know, he wanted to play me some new new music in his car that he was working on with Third Eye Girl. And um, we, you know, he had me wait out, swoop me up. You know, then uh, his black Cadillac, the one that he would call Miles Davis because he said it was so black. <laughs> um, now, you know, I'm a little bit over 6'2". And uh, to get in that car... Yeah, I put the seat all the way back. And you know, like the, you know, symbol placemats and whatnot. Uh, but I fit in there, not comfortably, but I fit in there. And then we're driving around uh, Minnesota, Chanhassen, Chanheasy. And uh, Prince, Prince likes to speed. And when he sees yellow, that just means go a little bit faster. Right. Um, interesting though because like the first track that you played me in the car was Live Out Loud which was already released you know so he's like have you heard this one I go yeah so play me some other stuff and one of the one of the songs ended up being What If which he didn't release that on the Plectrum Electrum album then some other stuff uh, that he did play ended up being completely different by the time it got released so you have I heard alternate versions of stuff. And of course, like, he's checking my pulse on it. And it's just a little bit different, you know, because before, like, when he played me new music, we went to his hotel room. 
at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and then he was playing it like in his bedroom, had a laptop set up. So yeah, so I was in Prince's bedroom, and I can make your little jokes. Um, and then he's playing fake air bass in front of me and whatever, just getting his groove on, uh, playing me some tracks, playing some Andiallo that he was working on at the time in 2012 for that. But the car ride, we're talking about Glastonbury, we're talking about a bunch of things while listening to the tunes. And uh, that wasn't the only time that we, uh, you know, drove around. When he'd be in L.A., he'd have his driver Gilbert drive, and then we would talk about, <clears throat> you know, the music industry and other things between the studio and his hotel room and other places uh, where he was going. <clears throat> but... Yeah, it's kind of cool. A lot of people, I guess, you know, would be wanting to drive in Prince's car and listen to unreleased music or music that no one has ever heard before, except for maybe the band or a few others. And right. And it's out loud. I, I can probably think of thousands of people who are listening who are definitely envious of those moments because, um, you know, just to even have any type of, you know, personal uh, relationship, uh, you know, w with him where you actually have, uh, you know, hours where you're actually sitting with him and talking with him and kind of vibing out. You, you did mention uh, one of the things I found interesting. You, you mentioned, um, you argued with him about the masters. What was, what was there to argue about? Were you guys not seeing eye to eye as far as that was concerned? No, nah. It was the first time we argued about the Masters was in uh, 2012, the night we met after he kicked my butt in ping pong, or table tennis as he called it. Uh, brought up the Master recordings just about stuff because he was talking about how extra lovable when he released it as a single for the Canadian part of his tour the year before, how he didn't think iTunes was really giving all the sales numbers and to see what the profits were of it. And then um, <clears throat> he brought up, and I've kind of touched base on this last week on Twitter when someone brought up uh, Rob Cavallo and Bob Cavallo. Now, Bob Cavallo used to manage Prince in the 80s as part of Cavallo, Ruffalo, and Fargnoli. And then what's interesting is, is that at the time, and Rob still plays a huge part because of Green Day and other artists, Rob Cavallo was running Warner Brothers. And they, he opened up a discussion with Prince about uh, master recordings and working together again. And Prince didn't exactly like the deal. And he asked Rob what his name was short for, Robert or Robber. And then he goes to Julia, Julia, Rob never called me back again after that. And she's like, nope. But, you know, I wanted to know, like, because we keep hearing about if it's 20 years, you get stuck in your master's back or 25 years. And he's like, forever, might as well say forever, because that's what it is. Then we kind of touched base on him removing videos from YouTube, especially concert footage. And I went, you know, radio doesn't play you. They don't give you the love that you deserve. You know, MTV isn't playing anything. Um, that's promotion for you. I never had anyone say, uh, watching a YouTube clip of Prince live in concert, like, I don't need to see him in concert. I saw the YouTube clip. Like, man, I got to get to the next Prince show. When's he coming to town? That's hot. That's fire. And what he said to me was... <clears throat> Tell the fans they can come to Paisley Park and watch whatever show they want to, and I'll have Kirk play it for them. You know, and I went, Prince, they, they want DVDs of you performing. They want to take it home. And he's like, they can watch it in my home. 
you know. So tell me about the masters, tell me about the YouTube stuff. Um, just because from a promoting standpoint, which is something I always, you know, when I went to high school, I'd be promoting Prince in different ways, and people would be like, you know, you should be a promoter for him or be a manager for him. I'm like, ah. I don't think he's going to be hiring a 16-year-old scrub, but okay. <laughs> so I always had ideas of wanting to promote him. So things like YouTube to me just felt like obvious promotion, but he was so against it. You know, there would be times where he'd be a little bit lax with it, but he felt that they weren't paying artists. They deserved to be paid. Same with iTunes, same with other stuff. You know, and of course now we have streaming where artists aren't exactly getting paid. And he was working with Title before he passed and all these other things. But those are just the arguments because, you know, he, he didn't own his masters. It was a point of frustration for him, so much so that he had to renegotiate to get him back in 2014. And, you know, probably the deal wasn't exactly in his best interest in the sense he finally got his master's back but from what I was told from people it was kind of like a handshake deal especially when uh, Purple Rain and Parade and Batman and Graffiti Bridge the licensing of those was extended in order for him to get more of his catalog back right then and there you know well, I, this kind of brings up a little bit interesting of, of, of a question that I had for you, because as of recently, I saw a post that uh, from you talking about Sign of the Times, and it was a release that happened, oh, I guess it's a release that's happening over in Europe. And in this release, yeah. it is featuring a Peach and Black podcast that's being included in this, as well as uh, some stuff from you as well. And so I'm going to try to ask this question as blunt as I possibly can, because one of the things that has always been synonymous with you is how overboard you go to protect Prince's legacy and to protect, um, just protect anything that is not in Prince's best interest. And you've always been like that. You, I mean, I know that I know for a fact, <laughs> you can tell me if I'm wrong. I know for a fact that I've personally said stuff about Prince online that has ticked you off. And people have told me, yeah, I, Fungerberry wasn't happy about that or whatever. I get it because I was always very, very blunt in a lot of things that I, I, said back in the day and he let me know about that as well however one of the things i'm finding interesting is that this release that's happening over in europe is not a paisley park endorsed release it's not something that's going to benefit the estate or or even i i, I really can't say a prince so for someone who is so animate about being very very cautious and uh, about this about Prince. Why are you involved in that? That's, that's basically the question. Right. Well, like, let's say like for several months I was away on the podcast or whatnot, whether it had to do with health or other things, the other things that were involved, I was told that the estate is fans of my podcast but they don't like that I talk about unreleased music on the show. I'm like, well, I just won't talk about unreleased music anymore because they were afraid, like, you know, if we sign an NDA. This wasn't talk with lawyers. 
for the lawyer that's listening to this right now, it wasn't with you. Don't worry. But these things happened. Um, you know, because they're worried if I had to sign the NDA or all this stuff, or because they kind of, they were fans of the podcast. They liked stuff that was coming out, but they didn't like me talking about unreleased music and how detailed I am, because we know I'm pretty detailed when it comes on stuff. Right. Um, so I was like, all right, fine. I'll play, I'll play the game. You know, I won't uh, talk about unreleased music, or I won't have certain guests on that I felt would ruffle feathers or whatnot. And I was playing the game, so to speak. Then to kind of like, you know, for stuff not to happen, although it looked like it was gonna happen and I have to be cryptic, um, and then to see other people, you know, cause I don't wanna write a book yet. People want me to write a book, they're wanting this other stuff and I just feel somewhat like my story st is still being told and there's still, things that need help to be done. And I felt <clears throat> writing a book would hurt me helping him and helping the fans. And then for, to see who the estate is using on certain things and that things like that didn't hurt them, uh, hurt me in an emotional way and physical way. Um, probably brought on a lot of anxiety and here I was you know I went away for a little bit and then all these people started that may have had their own existing shows or other things started coming out of the woodwork and then they're trying to be the voice and what I was trying to do was work behind the scenes because I felt that I could help out more that way so you know you're kind of taking off the frequency and uh, your, your name isn't out there as much as it should be. And you passed on several opportunities. You've been working behind the scenes of some documentaries that are gonna be happening, but you know, you're not the face of that. So <clears throat> when the sign of the time thing came up, you know, I asked them about the rights. Um, Cause when it comes to sign of the times, the rights of that, are very tricky. You know, Warner Brothers, after Under the Cherry Moon, how it performed, they were very scared to do something like Sign of the Times. And Prince was having this be instead of the tour in the U.S. So they agreed to let him, uh, you know, look for someone to distribute it outside of Warner Brothers. And at that time was Cineplex Odeon, who is now out of business. And now, because of that, there's different countries that have rights to it. I don't know who has the rights in the U.S., but over the years, we've had a Canadian release. We had an incredible uh, Blu-ray version. Not Maybe not Blu-ray, but an incredible box set version of Sign of Times that was put out in Japan that the quality is just phenomenal. So the rights to that have been somewhat, over the years, been in and out of who can have it. So this company purchased the rights, and then they contacted me to write the forward. And, you know, I'm thinking because of what has happened the past year to where I, you know, things like this apparently don't hurt you if you're wanting, if you're wanting to help. Uh, and again, if Prince was here, you'd probably be like, 
you know, there's other times I was going to be involved with like a DVD and they're like, they're offering this much money. Like, uh, don't do it. Um, so because of that is one of the main reasons that I did it. Um, you know, they asked me to do the forward. <clears throat> they said that there was a new documentary out. I didn't know all the that are in it. Of course, my forward mentioned every single band member that was in there and how long that, uh, you know, how short they were together before being a unified unit. And I was told as well that Peach and Black was doing, uh, I guess, the audio commentary for the film. Um, but then, uh, you know, that was it. Other things that I'm able to be a part of, like I was part of um, putting together a documentary that hasn't aired yet. This is the second one. I helped out with one in the UK in 2017, helped them get in contact with Andy Allo, with Van Jones. And with this one, you know, they're bringing me on to be part of it. And there are certain things that I saw that I didn't like. And because I had a voice then, uh, meaning in the project, you know, I made sure that certain people were interviewed or made sure that the story was told the right way by the people that were actually there. You know, unfortunately, there was some people that were actually there that didn't want to participate, and that's okay. I fully understand their reasons for it, and in some ways, they're, they're probably right. Um, but it was always about getting the right person. Like, it bothered me. Like, one of the musicians that they were having to do the background music had nothing to do with Prince and was just someone where it's just so off-character. Um, so I, I reached out to my friend Alex, uh, who, you know, is a studio musician and he uh, was going to play with Michael Jackson on the This Is It tour and I was also been in the band for Arsenio's TV show and George Lopez's show. And then I told him that I'd like him to be part of this documentary to be filmed and then um, some other things that would happen. And he said because it was me, he would agree to do it. If it was anyone else, he wouldn't do it. And now... Not only did he get interviewed for the project, but he is composing the music for it. You know, um, there's just certain things that I see that when it comes to the Prince story that is being whitewashed a little bit. And with that documentary, I could do something about it. You know, and the filmmakers were very understandable. You know, they they were cool with it. You know, they'd done stuff on Miles Davis and a few other things, so they knew what they were talking about, even though they were some, you know, quote-unquote white boys from Canada. Um, the documentary, unfortunately, like, I've been hearing different things about it, and it doesn't look like the story that we originally told is going to be told. And I'm worried about that. And that's what happens is like, you have these filmmakers that do want to get the story right and get back to sign of the times. But then it's because of, you know, investors and trying to make sure if it gets picked up by a certain company, they have to interview different people because they may not know uh, who Alex is or who this is, but they know who Shaka Khan is and they'll know who Dennis Quaid is and stuff like that. And Shaka cool. Um, she wasn't mad. She was cool. Right. Now, back to the side of the times, I hear that the documentary that I had nothing to do with didn't interview uh, other people of the band, and I'm kind of disappointed in that, and I mean, probably me saying that will probably get removed from the booklet, but it is what it is. Um, I think Levi has got a great story to tell, and Wally, too. You know, I don't know who they reached out to, but... Um, 
that wasn't my project. I was just asked to do the forward. And I know that other people were paid for the work. Martin, who did amazing artwork, Red Fox Bandit, uh, Peach and Black, um, I believe. But I didn't ask for a cent. I think we kind of got. I think we kind of got the gist of 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 what it is. You know, you kind of feel like it's it's a little bit of a culmination as far as the sign of the time things. It's a little bit of a for those of you just joining us. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't stopped and said this. For those of you just joining us and wanting to know what's going on, who's who's on the line. Uh, it is myself, obviously, Mr. Christopher. Welcome to Funkatopia Radio Show, and my special guest, Mr. Jeremiah Freed, who you know as Dr. Funkenberry. And we're kind of just sharing Prince stories and just kind of going back and forth. And I, I really try to do a lot better job in making sure that people who are joining us in the middle kind of understand who you know who it is that we're we're talking to. And that's that's it. <laughs> we're talking with we're talking with Dr. Funkenberry and kind of sharing some Prince stories. And one of the questions that I had just got done asking him was talking about um, how the, um, you know, specifically talking about some of the issues that a lot of that, uh, he was receiving a lot of negativity because he got involved with this Sign of the Times project that's going to be happening overseas. And, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of pushback in, in that regard. But, I mean, I can appreciate the fact that, you know, you're obviously you're not getting paid for it. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, that you've kind of proceeded with a little bit of caution. Was there anybody, anybody at all that you called when you, when you were presented with the opportunity? Was there anybody that you called uh, at Paisley Park or anything to kind of ask them about this process? Or were you even concerned at all about their input? Uh, was I concerned? Probably one time I would have been. I was uh, kind of told a little bit uh, before I wrote it. And just like I said, like with other people being able to do stuff or, or whatnot and they don't get in trouble and then they're involved, it kind of was like, oh, it's going to be like that, huh? Um, you know, so I didn't let them know because kind of like the last time we, uh, we emailed, um, I was kind of told that I need to find a new path. <laughs> I've only been doing this. Ouch. I've only been doing this since, what, 1998 and helping out behind the scenes, and then it took a different level from 2006 on. Um, but, yeah, and then, see, to me, my path was chosen by him because of me, you know, he didn't have me sign an NDA. He had everyone sign an NDA, like everyone. Even if you dance for him for one night, he had to sign an NDA. I didn't have to do that. Um and then when he passed and CNN and all these other people are contacting me, you know, I let him know, like, with the TMZ live thing I did, like, after the plane uh, went down, because TMZ was reporting stuff and they were looking for things. And I let them know that I'm going to go on there to just kind of dispel a few things. And uh, everything that I would do, he would know. And it basically came down to, like, a couple years before, like, hey, this radio station wants to interview me, or, hey, Fox 9 over there is hitting me up that they want, want me on. And then he's like, uh, you don't really need to ask anymore. Like, we know you're going to say the right things. Like, you don't need to do it. And then, like, after he passed, um, uh, I emailed with Karen Sharma and uh, hit up Julia and other people that he worked with, and uh, Damaris Lewis hit me up, and 
you know, when CNN and all these people are, are hitting me up, uh, I kind of ask them, like, should I do the interviews? Because there was a lot of people going on CNN, aside from Van Jones, that uh, didn't know Prince, but we're talking about that they were president of Paisley Park Records or these other things, and these newscasters weren't verifying it, and it was just BS. So I was basically told by them all, like, look, he trusted you, you know, and that, like, meant a lot to me. They're like, this is kind of like what you need to do. We can't really talk, but you can, and, you know, just, just do them proud. So to me, on that day, which was one of the hardest days of my life, uh, I had to suck it up and uh, go on camera and... Um, to start defending him and I think like I talked to music shows over in Australia the UK Rolling Stone out here Us Magazine um, so many things just trying to dispel stuff and then Team Z kept contacting me about stories they heard and I'd be just debunking them left and right so to me my path uh, was chosen to do that and You know, I appreciate the fans, and they know that I was doing this stuff when he was here, you know, protecting him, promoting him, and, uh, you know, to the point of, like, when he had some story with a burqa overseas that went nuts, was getting crazy attention in the Guardian over there, I helped debunk it, Uh, Karen contacted me. So much so, like, you know, when I was struggling and with my health in 2012 and stuff, like Karen said, you should be on the payroll for the past, like, four or five years. Like, that's my fault. But I wasn't asking for that stuff then. You know, I was emergency dispatcher. I was doing other things. But, you know, my path was chosen for me a while before he passed away. And it was chosen for me the day that he passed away. And I keep trying to do what I feel is in the best interest of him, what I feel is in the best interest of the fans. And, you know, the fans are upset about a lot, you know, when it comes to the estate, when it comes to the family, uh, when it comes to releases, and we'll get into that. But, um, you know, I believe that was a question. Yeah, I didn't ask them for approval because to be told that you need you need to find a new path, I know it's scary. I'm like, okay, all right, this is where we're going. Now, who's telling you? Who's and telling you this? Like, who's telling you? Is it management that's telling you this, or who, who specifically is telling you this? Someone that is involved. You know, I'm don't right. want to get into it. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not looking. I, yeah, I'm not obviously looking for specifics. Are you for you to call out anybody's name? I mean, that would be great. that'd be awesome and, and news break. But I'm, you know, is, right, is, 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 is it like man is so it know, management like or is it somebody you know who you know that's kind of running the show right now? I mean, that that's kind of the level I'm looking at. They're running the show and whatnot, and we still talked in person after uh, that email. You know, and I kind of like. I, I bit back because, you know, you keep trying to put me into a hole with other people. And I worked for him. I knew him. And then you have people that worked for him and knew him. And I'm not talking about, like, maybe, like, Alan Leeds from 85 and be like, I don't know who this fool is. I know who Alan Freed is. I don't know who Jeremiah Freed is. Um, you know, people that were working with him for years, 
and the last people there were telling me to go and handle it. But yeah, it's just people involved with it. Like I said, we talked in person as well, and they kind of said that conversation with us is going to stop, and that's okay. And I'm not going to talk about anything else that we talked about, because I look at it like this, is that you never know if a door is really closed. You know, like there's just, there's stuff going on right now. And unfortunately for the fans, it's just a lot of frustration. And I'm frustrated too. Like I barely sleep three to four hours a night since uh, April 21st, 2016. Like when I can get a little bit more sleep than that, it's great. And that's probably one of the reasons about my health. But, you know, uh, I've been criticized a lot over the years for defending Prince or for whatnot. And I did see, like, some of the first uh, complaints about the Sign of the Times uh, DVD was about the region. And then, like, Funkenberries in the Ford, I guess I'll look forward to that. You know, but that's how it's always been. And you got to take the criticism <clears throat> along with the good stuff. And I'm okay with criticism. Um, and I just look at stuff as like you have to find a new path like no 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 I'm not going anywhere I'm not trying to be a nuisance if I am going to be it's going to be how I was to Prince which was a positive nuisance like I can stay and post stuff on my on my site and on my social media feeds that if it was anyone else Prince would have went off on but because it was me like he's all like you know, when I, when he had someone do something for free for him, and it ended up biting him in the butt a little bit. And then I talked about it, like you can't have people work for free. And then we talked about the Purple Ring remaster around 2015, because people are like, when's it gonna come out? I'm like, that's not where his mind is at right now. Then I get a contact from his lawyer, and it's like, what's up? And she's like, oh, Prince wants to send you some money. And I'm like, is it to shut me up? Because I'm not gonna shut up. It's like, no, 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 just because it's been a while and he and he's forgotten. I'm like, okay, cool. Here's the bank account info. But I just look at it as this, is yeah, I was told this stuff, but you never know. And I think, you know, the estate um, is doing their best. And the thing is, is that... Do, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? I do, but in the sense of they look at it as a business model. And the thing is, is that what was best for business wasn't best for Prince artistically. So it's just different. If you're trying to run Prince like a business, it's not going to be as successful as, say, doing that like for Tom Petty. And see, like, you know, they want to be the source for all the Prince news. So me knowing stuff early really irritates them. And the thing is, I've, I've always known stuff early. And Prince was cool with that. And what Prince would do before there would be press releases for stuff is we would tease it through social media or tease it on my site. You'd still have the press release and it would go to the masses. You, what's happening now with the estate and other stuff is the fans, the hardcore fans feel really left out that Prince belonged to them and now they don't have that. And now it's just for everyone. The thing is, is Prince took care of his hardcore fans. We do those, these little teasers, hey, there's going to be an announcement this week, or hey, you know, there's something original yet not original dropping. And people be like, huh, what? You know, of course, it's talking about the original set that's going to be coming out. See, you need to kind of do those things because that's what gets the fan, the hardcore fans excited. We know right now that the casual fans and the younger fans are the future. And the hardcore fans are giving the young fans a hard time. You got to stop doing that because 
you know, Chris is saying he's 50, you know, in 20 years or so, I'm hoping he's still going to be here with us. But we need to make sure that the younger generation and other people are welcome to that. And don't be like, oh, you you were too young to know about Prince. You didn't see him in concert. You know what you're talking about. Got to stop with that because we have to keep step alive. So they're doing the best they can from a, from a business standpoint. Now, is in the best interest of Prince? I'm not so certain on that, but I think that they are trying. It's very, very hard. And I know that people get pissed when they're hearing let's go crazy in a credit card commercial. But bills need to be paid, and that was always my excuse. And then to not hear about the tax bill being paid is kind of like, what? I know they're working on that now. But, you know, it's just so conflicting, man. I mean, you hear it all the time, right? Like, you're... They want to sign the Times uh, on CD and DVD all together. They want to sign the Times Remastered. They want a Blackout. They want Camille. They want Dream Factory. Then they're wanting the MPGMC releases to come out. And then right now, there's stuff that Warner Brothers falls under there. Under their, under their umbrella. Then there's stuff that falls under Sony's umbrella. And right now what Sony is doing is putting out a lot of the, the stuff that was previously out of print and also putting stuff that wasn't in print on vinyl, like, say, Raven to the Joy Fantastic. And you will be getting more stuff from that. You know, I'm a very heavily sought-after record that's getting close to the $1,000 mark to buy an original will be hitting soon in my opinion, you know, soon. Then those MPGMC releases we talked about, they're going to get an official release. I'm not saying that's official information. That's not official information. What I'm saying is, is eventually you guys are going to get all that. So you'll be taken care of on that side of it. With Warners, they have certain things in, 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 in a deal. Just like this title release. Title gets it for two weeks. Warners is the distributor of the project. And you got to give it up to them. I'm not exactly the biggest fan of the originals title, but a lot of those songs the casual fan is interested in. Like I went to see my podiatrist with my foot issues I'm having, and he was excited to hear about it. I am kind of surprised that Manic Monday wasn't dropped as a single, but maybe they've had to do a title, and then when... when the project officially comes out June 7th, we'll get that on the other platforms, but you have to go to Tidal to get everything else, you know? Yeah, I know that they're, uh, the only thing that's a variance at all is really that uh, I think the Japan release is getting one extra version of Nothing Compares to You, which is some cinematic version. I don't know that, I, I probably have heard it, because uh, I think we, you, know, you and I have probably heard everything. But it's it's probably just called something else. But I think Japan version is getting one extra track that's an extra version of Nothing Compares to You, but it's some cinematic version, which is probably I, – I don't know that it's worth paying the extra – if you're if you're a hardcore collector, then then obviously you have to have everything. But 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 before we move forward, I do want to make sure, and I did promise this, and I'm sorry for all you folks that have been listening, but I do want to make sure that you guys have the opportunity to be able to call in and ask any questions that you want uh, from Dr. Funkenberry. I I don't think you have any questions for me, but if you have any questions for Jeremiah, please 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 call in. We'd love to hear uh, what you guys have to say. That number is eight three one. 777-FUNK. That's 831-777-FUNK. If you're alphabetically challenged, it's 777-3865. Again, 831-777-FUNK. You can call in and you can ask questions to Jeremiah. 
I, I know you're kind of like I am. You like to hear some of the some of the deeper cuts and some of the other stuff, and and you kind of have to bite your lip every single time a new greatest hits comes out or a new whatever comes out. How is your balance with that frustration? Because m- mine is like completely out of whack. I've accepted it, but it's it's still not. I don't feel great. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. I look at it like this: when he was here, and we'd be talking about the music club forum, I'd be like. You know, he's the greatest musician ever. So people that have an insatiable appetite for music and his fans, they want everything. They want to hear every bootleg. They even want to hear that that version of the tape that dropped down in one of the lakes in Minnesota and someone got out and played. They want every live show, no matter what it sounds like, although I prefer soundboard. The problem is, as I said back then, that... You know, we have it now, but when he wants to officially release it, we better buy it then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've always been like that. I mean, even if I have something already, I would rather go out and get the studio version that is tweaked out and and, and it's got the perfect levels and everything. I'm totally with you on that. And I think think everybody is kind of like that. Even if we have those bootlegs already, we can can call them that, Um, it's... uh, it, it, you have to have those studio things. Oh, we, uh, we've got a call, so let's go ahead and, and take this because obviously we want to honor those callers that are calling in. Welcome to a Funkatopia. Who's on the line? Hi, good evening. Uh, this is Utopia 7 uh, calling from New York City. Hey, how are uh, you? I'm good, 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 good. I um, just wanted to say I've been, um, you know, listening and reading uh, Funkatopia and J7 Dutch uh, Funkaberry throughout the years. Um, my question is, and it's not even a question, more so just just wondering, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering the same thing. Um, during the last week of Prince's life, um, I understand that he reached out to you to get the word out about this, about the party, for everyone to come and see the guitar, and he wanted to sort of put out there that he was okay. Did you ever at any point get a sense that he's not okay or did you just sort of go along with his wishes to just get this press release out there when when in actuality he should have been at that point intervened and not done that at all that's a tough question and a good question um what it comes down to is when you look at things um he probably he wanted to throw it because he didn't want people worrying about him and other things. Now, when you look back at stuff, when he's flying me out and reaching out to me, that's probably when a doctor should have been called, not a couple days later or a few days later. Um, he wanted everyone to think he's fine. You know, it was 80 degrees that day in Minnesota in April. He was wearing his leather jacket, and it makes it harder for us to see that he's probably a little bit skinnier than he should be. And the Afro always kind of like made his face look a lot skinnier than what it was. But I will say that a female friend that I went with uh, to uh, Paisley that night when we got back to the hotel, she was just freaked out saying that he didn't look well. And I just said, is it the flu? Like what he's saying it is, or is it something else? If it is something else, is he going to get help? What do I do? And we had to like think about that for hours. 
you know, before coming out with stuff because he's trying to say that he's cool, you know, and is this a premonition or is he going to be all right, you know? Um, just like you look at, say, Demi Lovato last year where she had her overdose of stuff and, you know, she was okay um, afterwards, and at least it's looking like that. It's kind of hard with hindsight, you know, he's wanting everyone to think that he's fine, he's throwing this party, he's joking around with the crowd, um, and he's still saying it's the flu, you know, um, but in a position of we all just thought if there is a problem, he's going to get help, right? But now you look back on it, the night that they flew me out there, they sh they already should have been talking to a doctor and getting him out there or someplace closer, you know? Yeah, that was um, definitely my my thought as well. Um, and, and it's actually, I know Prince was definitely um, a musician who didn't want to disappoint and hardly cancel, but my issue with Atlanta and my issue with the party that happened is that was like valuable time. That was valuable time. And I just wish that there were different avenues and that, that were taken. Well, from an Atlanta yeah, perspective, from, from yeah, no, I mean, in, in, from an Atlanta perspective, for you know, for someone who was at both of the shows in Atlanta, he was immaculate. It was, it was like oh, I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, it was not. No, there, there was no beat. Yeah, he uh, he didn't he didn't miss a beat. It was fantastic. And at the time, you know they were just quote unquote flu like symptoms is, is the way it was being addressed. And we didn't have any type of, you know, but you know, the more people that I talked to, especially at the celebration, you know, I've talked and Kim Barry mentioned it in a book that even at the beginning of April, he was telling, he was telling people, you know, it's, it's near the, the, I mean, he was, he literally was telling people that he felt like his end was near. Which is very disturbing because it's not just, it wasn't just Kim that he said this to. He's, he's d said this to quite a few people and which that's the most unsettling part to me is, and, 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 and there's so many other things that were happening. The, the fact that he went out of his way to kind of invite a lot of loved ones out to Paisley Park just to kind of, it, it, it whole thing was really suspicious just just the way i mean I, i'm not insinuating anything i'm just saying that there was so much that was going on he was telling so many people directly that he felt like he was his his life was coming to an end and it was just really kind of it was difficult to to really kind of grasp that and i don't think anybody saw that nobody i, I don't think anybody felt like uh oh yeah he's yeah I, I, nobody saw that coming everybody was sideswiped with this whole entire thing but yeah, then it, is that it, it was stunning it's stunning it was stunning because he you know prince was always invincible in terms of like you know you you go and i've i've attended well over 100 shows you go to sound check you go to concert and you go to the after party and then you do it all over again but if you listen to and i'm definitely not one of these conspiracy theorists but when you listen i let's look back and listen to artificial age exactly that to me is like his magnum opus in terms of you really, if you listen, you, you hear so many things of probably what he was feeling or going through. And it almost sounds like he was closing it up. It almost sounds like he, that he's not here anymore from a perspective of him not being here. 
when you hear, um, you know, affirmation one and two and, and Leanne Lahavis and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, we, we, we don't know at this point, but it is something that definitely um, you know, is, is bothersome, you know, yeah. as it is definitely bothersome. And, you know, we're, we're here now three years later, um, but in retrospect, you know, you, you, you wish, you really, really just wish that things were just paying attention to a little bit more closer. And my last concert was uh, Paisley Park on January 21st. Mm. And I noticed, I noticed how frail he looked. And, yeah. um, you know, I made a comment to Porsche, to Portia, I was like, my gosh, you know, he's, he's so frail. And it was just such the tone of the show was so solemn and he's playing the, you know, uh, memoirs of a, of a geisha, geisha intro. And I wrote down all of the songs on a, on a pad and everything in the dark. Um, but yeah, you know, just, just in retrospect, in retrospect and looking back, it is just, so such a torch, such a hard thing to bear, and I, I still deal with it, and I'm sure all of us still deal with it to this day, and still in that sort of grieving and acceptance point, and part of the grief, you know, just trying to accept and, and move forward. Um, but it's, it's it's difficult because Prince meant so much to <clears throat> to all of us. Yeah. So uh, that's well, what I just wanted to ask, and um, you know, thank you for answering that question as, as, as best as possible. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Utopia. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. You guys have a good night. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Just to touch base on that, it's like, you know, you could say that about artificial age, and yes, especially way back home when they played a memorial service, like me and Adrian, who were sitting next to each other, just started bawling. Um, but see, if he would have passed away, like, in 87, you know, songs like Life Can Be So Nice and, and uh, Sometimes It Snows in April, which have definitely taken effect with playing this stuff, or That's if he tough. passed away... 88, you know, we'd be thinking of the cross and Anastasia and all these other things. It's just about the timing of it. And all I can say right now is I know that people are feeling sad. You know, it's just, you got to celebrate the music. You got to just do everything you can to keep that memory alive of him and celebrate the music and other things that are going on. And just kind of like some of this in, infighting that happens on social media that uh, we need to move on and be supportive of anyone and anything that draws positive attention to Prince. You know, whether it's his music being being used in Blackish or being used in other movies or someone covering Raspberry Beret and seeing it like karaoke style in a CBS drama. These things keep Prince's memory alive because it seems like the hardcore fans, um, they, they, they feel that all the unreleased music needs to be released right now. That Beyond the Microphone show that we were just talking about needs to be released right now. Like, there's not going to be a market for it. I'm like, right now, there's no market for it. Those Hot Topic Purple Rain shirts are selling more than the stuff out right now. Like, <laughs> True. But that's what I'm saying is we need him for his music to be used for other things so the younger generation 
can have that, you know, can experience it. I mean, look, look what's happening with Queen, and a lot of people really didn't like the the film, but it won him, it won Ron Manuel, that Malik, that that Oscar, right? And there's a big interest in Queen. We needed that to keep happening with Prince. So Elizabeth Banks making this movie that just uses Prince's music or whatnot to tell a story, it's not going to take away from your enjoyment of listening to his music. It's not butchering stuff. Unfortunately, this is the new normal. And this is what I mean by, you know, the estate trying to do the best they can. Because certain things like that, I go, yeah, I get it. Or, yeah, his music being licensed for that. They understand it. I'm not about the credit card, again. But there's certain things you need to do, just like I'm sure the Funko dolls. A lot of people are upset about that, but I'm just like with my ears and being, sound, being in touch with sounds and new artists coming up, the Funko dolls are crazy hot, and they've been selling well, you know, and everyone's got one, even the people that complained about it, right? Chris, do you have any? I, I've got all of them. <laughs> But I didn't complain. I was I, I'm okay with the licensing and all that stuff. But what was the movie that uh, had the the first time that I experienced it was the um, uh, the Let's Go Let's Go Crazy. What was that secret? What was that movie? Um, the Secret Society one. What was it? Kingsman two, Kingsman two, right? Yeah, the, and and I I didn't know I didn't know it was in there. I we happened to see it. That was oh, it was so bad. But I, the movie was horrible. But I, we I went to go see it with my wife, and we went in, and and it came right out of the gate. I mean, it's the first song that plays uh, during that whole chase scene, and I I was happy about it. I, I'm okay with the licensing. I'm okay with all that stuff. Um, I realize that the estate has got to do what they got to do in order to kind of, you know, get things moving and start, you know, and, and pay some bills. I, I, I totally get it. I'm not one of those purists like that. I actually like seeing film. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to more of it. I'm looking forward to, I mean, God forbid I have to watch Girl 6 in order to see Prince songs in a movie. <laughs> no offense, but I... I I would love to see a fantastically done, you know, like a romantic comedy and like all of a sudden, you know, having some amazing song like I love you don't I don't but I don't trust you anymore kind of, you know, seamlessly put in the back with some, you know, I I, I want to see all those yeah. things. That's what I want to see. Cashmere, the most people on the world. There's so many to go from. I'm just talking about like as well with the unreleased material. It's it's right now the market isn't there, you know, and it's doesn't need to go out now. The market will be there. There's other stuff. Vinyls ain't going to come back. Streaming is where it's at right now, and that doesn't exactly profit the artist a lot. So it isn't profiting the estate a lot or profiting the family. Um, like piano on the microphone, the Paisley Park shows are so immaculate. And to me, that's like one of the holy grail things. That's like more valuable than money. And I don't want to see that sell the way that piano microphone is resold or the brain set or what originals is going to sell. I want that to be up there. I want the sales to be through the roof. And right now, I think that streaming is where it's at. And certain things, um, I'm hoping, could be made a deal with Netflix in the future to release things like that. You know, maybe it won't get Beyonce money, but maybe there's some other things that can happen and be having, you know, his music videos have exclusive deal with Netflix and things like that. I'm thinking about profitability here. And we don't know exactly what uh, the family has in store for us. 
they may be more open to, you know, making another music club or other stuff than the estate is. They may be more open to opening up the floodgates of music and unreleased material. And the family hasn't been involved with decisions. And then I see them getting slammed for stuff. And that's not fair. You know, it's not fair. We don't know. The things could maybe run better under the family. I wish that everyone could get along and work together, but that's not how it's going to happen. I'm, when I say work together, I'm not talking about the family. I'm talking about everyone involved to make things better. Because then it's just like with the music when you're trying to explain to someone like Warner Brothers right now can only release this, this, and this, you know, and you're getting the 1999 Deluxe at a certain point. You're getting the Parade Deluxe at a certain point. Those are certain things that are in the pipeline, but they can't release the stuff that's later on or even safe for you that's already transferred to Sony but they can't do anything with that yet so you will be getting a remaster of that with bonus tracks and other things and Sony does really great box sets and other stuff so it's going to get a little bit pricey but you're going to get what you want you're probably not going to get it until 2021 or afterwards depending if there's any other battles that go on but right now if you have bought every single bootleg ever of his Right now, you're not going to be too pleased with what comes out, but you're going to have to deal with it because, as Prince told me, that's stuff that they shouldn't have owned in the first place. You know, yeah. so, I, I would have to agree. Yeah, I, it's just, yeah. I mean, the other thing with the family, though, is that it's as far. And again, I'm sorry, I know some people are asking about the phone number. Uh, it's eight three one seven 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 three eight six five it's eight three one seven 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 funk okay eight three one seven 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 funk if you want to get in on this conversation uh one of the things i I had mentioned was that um you know we we were talking about this that one night that we were only going to have a 10 minute conversation and then two hours later we're still talking uh we were we were talking about the family and one of the things that obviously is a little bit of a challenge in in my mind and I don't know them personally I only know what I'm seeing out front I everybody has their own agenda on the family and and my my pushback is is that um and I've had Sharon on the show before and you know we've, we we were actually talking about her father's project uh, so I didn't really go into detail, and I think she was happy about that because at that time it was a really touchy, touchy subject. Um, but you know, a lot of them have really, really different thoughts about where this should go. I mean, um, you know, I, I just don't know that every single one of them is on the same page. I mean, even if you, I'm not going to go into details, but if you go into the social media or any type of anything they've done publicly, each an individual, Taika and Omar and Sharon, their their views and what they have going on and what they seem to be focused on are not meshing up whatsoever at all. I don't even really think that they, if they were given full control, that I don't really fully believe that they, I don't, I don't know that they would know what to do with all that power or exactly how to kind of Put it in some type of semblance of order that would make any sense. Um, and but I don't necessarily believe that who is in charge of it right now is doing such a good job either. I think it's just um, they're appeasing the fans uh, as much as possible. I thought that the piano and a microphone 1983 was a was was a good solid release, but I felt like it was very. Um, I felt like it was short. So it's a you know thirty minute album, thirty five minute album, but you know that's not the first time. Right. That's not the first time. Now, 
And yeah, and I'm gonna get into what you said about the family or whatnot. But when it comes to, like the release of '83, like you know, I probably came out a little too harsh on that. My main thing is is that you only get one chance at a first posthumous release, and probably anything that was gonna be was gonna upset people. And yeah, it's a short project, and it's like 17 days is great. How it sounds on vinyl is great. Um, that was my own issue, only issue with it. You know, like you had Purporting Deluxe, you had the bonus tracks mastered from the tapes and other things, and now you have the originals coming out. Like I said, not too far of the title, but I like the project. I mean, you're getting stuff that could, if it's promoted right, could hit a different, a few different things. Like, uh, there's, I don't want to mention who I want to have on my show before it gets released, because I think that's going to happen, and then I... When Prince was alive and taking my ideas, I was 100% cool with it. Now when people are taking my ideas or listening to my shows and then taking their ideas, I'm not so cool with it. But this could go so many different ways, especially with, you know, the Kenny Rogers track and all these other things. This has the potential to be something um, that gets the casual fans interested. I mean, we've all want to hear Manic Monday, and is it the version that we've heard, or is it different? You know, it's most likely the version that we've heard, but the casual fan and the general public hasn't heard it. So I'm hoping for better things for this. And you got to give it up to them. You know, like, I'm not a jerk or critical to be a pain in anyone's ass. I'm trying to help out. And look, the Royal, the Purple Majesty set that was released for Record Store Day, Top notch, great release. You know, the Sony side of things releasing the Versace tape, very cool as well. Albeit, I hear the sound isn't that great, but that is what it is with that. But I think that uh, what the estate has trying to do, because when, when they're with the Warner Brothers stuff, is that was a solid release, and I think the originals. Like I said, not the biggest fan of the title or the artwork, but I'm a fan of the project, and I'm hoping that it gets. Um, some attention, you know. Uh, I really was hoping that there'd be something like video of what Michael Howe put together for the Nothing Compares to You and the video footage that they used from rehearsal, because that was amazing. I was really hoping for something like that for Manic Monday. Who knows that maybe that's going to happen, but I think lately they've been better on stuff, and it's really hard because, look, you had to have Tidal and Warner Brothers and Troy Carter and others come together to make this project, and there's a lot of cooking in the kitchen but now when we get to the family of stuff and yes it looks like so far they haven't been able to get, to get along but let's see what the future holds you know they, they need to come together for the sake of them they need to come together for the sake of their brother's legacy you know um, and there has been some people that they may not have been close to Prince when before he passed but I thought that they've been trying to do the right thing since he passed. And it's so hard to navigate. I mean, especially if you're looking at social media and the death threats that they get and all these other things. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, 
social media, it's like you can't listen to that stuff because you're going to get pulled so many different ways by people trying to be the voice or people that you think know what's going on. You know, so you kind of got to divorce yourself from those things and get people that will help. And when you're saying, like, you know, they won't know what to do or whatever, I mean, who's to say, like, they're not going to have, like, a board of directors that are going to help with certain things that worked with Prince and that would knew what he would want. When it comes to, like, say the things I'm saying about teasers and that not hurting anything, it gets the diehards, you know, revved up, and hopefully you're getting more of that diehard. You get the casual fans that are turning into the diehards because that's what you need. But if you have a board of directors, if you have people helping with the decisions and they kind of stay out of it, um, it could work. You know, we just won't know what the future holds, you know? If you were given the keys to the kingdom, to the vault, what would the next two years of releases look like if you were in charge of that? Well, I sure as heck wouldn't do it alone. I already... <laughs> if, you are, if you're only out to please yourself, if you're only out to please yourself, and obviously uh, some, uh, of, some of the hardcore fans, if, what, what, are, what are you looking at? What, what are you, what are you no, focusing on? That's the thing. It's all about Prince, and it's all about his legacy, and that's what I think they didn't understand. And this is about the, taking care of the fans, taking care of Prince. And uh, it wouldn't be a personal release for me, although there's, there's so many I can choose from. It would be about what would be the project that we could do the most with that would also appease the fans, because we'd have to have a few releases at a time. Then you kind of got to work that out with Sony as well, because you don't want to do anything that's going to mess with the reissue slate. But all I could say is, is I believe that they would be happy. And like I said, I would not be going through it alone. I'd be some, one of the main people, but there's already people that I have chosen that have already agreed to work for free on this that have worked for him. And all they want is just a credit on the project. That's it. And that, that's what it's about because they want to help with the legacy. And I have had a team in place for over a year and a half. And, you know, we, we have it to where it's a few people. Then we have one person that's active on social media. And I think that person is going to be changing. We have one person overseas. We have everything lined up to try to see what would be the best release and, and to gauge the fans' response and what would be best for his legacy. So it isn't about what I would want. It'd be about what's best for the fans because people would be going piano microphone 2016 Paisley show and I'd be like, not until the right deal comes. I know that people will hate me for that. But the thing is, is that he deserves the best and he deserves for that to get the ultimate release and the ultimate attention. That's what it's all about. So... That's how I was doing to run things. And look, people that I may not have gotten along with that maybe that would be running the vault or doing other stuff, like even, even the people at the estate that talked to me the way they did, like I have no issues with them. I just want to help him and help the fans. So that's what it's all about. It isn't about ego being involved, you know. And I may have overstepped my bounds when I first was in contact with them because when I heard Sony that was going to be handling the legacy recordings, I asked to be in touch with Sony. And the reason that I asked that, I know they balked at it, is because in the past when he was here, it wasn't a problem. And I sometimes just feel like trying to continue the work that I did. I would be in contact with the record labels that he was working with, the PR firms that he was working with, 
helping him get on Ellen when something broke down for him to do Crimson and Clover. So to me, I didn't think I was overstepping my bounds, you know? So they may have thought all this time I'm overstepping my bounds. I just want to help, you know? And the family eventually is going to get control of everything. That's what people have to understand. They have to be supportive, whether it's Paisley Park, whether it's the vault, whether it's other things. So we need to help them make the better decisions. And I'm sure right now they're hurting. Like they're being told how much his music is worth and all this stuff and they're not getting anything. And then this, and a tax bill still needs to be paid. We need to help them. We need to help the estate. And that's what I was trying to do behind the scenes with everything is let's just help them because in the end it'll help Prince's legacy and then we will get what we want. It's gonna be frustrating for the next few years. You talk to, you know, you're getting a, a little knickknacks here and there, and that's how it's going to be till 2021 if everything goes according to plan. But it isn't about what I would want. I, and this is why my lack of sleep, why my lack of everything is because I keep trying to do what he would like, and I keep feeling like I keep letting him down because of who's involved, because of other stuff that's going on, and knowing that he wouldn't be happy. And I'm not one of those people like, Prince wouldn't want this, Prince wouldn't want that. I do, don't do that in public. You know, I just try to help out behind the scenes with stuff. And I do think that better decisions are being made, but we have to be critical but supportive. And I think that's one last thing, and I'm sorry for rambling, yeah. is just that we are so critical of everything that everything that we don't like gets lost because we're not picking and choosing our battles. And I think they love that so many people are trying to be the voice of the Prince community. You know, when he was here, we knew it was me, and it pissed off Housequake, and it pissed off other people. And I have mad love for Housequake. I have mad love for, for them right now. I'm glad they're still around on Twitter and Facebook and these other things in a different format. Um, right now, I think they sometimes like that confusion because then the fans are getting upset about everything, whether it's Jesse Johnson and an audio tape that leaked of stuff that he shouldn't have been saying but didn't know he was being recorded. Or there's just so many things that happen that it gets lost in the mix of what really should be our battles. And because there isn't a voice right now to do that because you have these people fighting and they don't want to have a, a main voice, we can't centralize our criticisms to, to the things that are important. And our voice is getting lost in the mix. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying we have to come together, whether it's me on your show or other people on other shows. we got to stop with this thing of trying to promote ourselves. Like, look, people didn't know I was going to the celebration. There hasn't been a photo of me posted online unless someone else has posted it in almost a year. You know, because this is about him. It isn't about me. And that's what I keep trying to do. But we need to come together and build that casual fan base. Don't freaking go after people because, oh, these think they're too young or they don't know what you know. Educate them. Bring them on. Listen to them. Because the casual fans is what we need to survive because the hardcore, we're, we, we may be in denial. You know, I look pretty young, but my body is letting me know I'm not as young as I think I am. You know, we need to make sure that his legacy 
continues and that there isn't a fire sale done on stuff. That Paisley continues to boom. And what Paisley is now, we got to turn into what Paisley should be. We should be having those dance till dawn parties again. People in Minneapolis should not be paying no $50 for a tour. should be some sort of break. We need live entertainment in there, not just for the celebration. need those things to happen, and we need to help them make it happen. But us criticizing everything, they're, they're loving it because it's getting lost in the mix, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of people don't – and I, I've said this before on this show that, you know, Prince fans, as, as Prince fans, we, we live in a bubble and we don't even know it. Because whenever I wear Prince shirts and, and you know, as, as an example, and I, I know that it's happened with a lot of Prince fans uh, as well, is that you, you wear a, a Prince shirt or you have a Prince symbol on your car or, or whatever, and then people ask you, you know, who your favorite artist is, and you happen to mention that it's Prince, and they look at you kind of like it, it, like you're from another, like you're from another planet. But there, it, it's, 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 it's unusual because every single superstar, whether it's Michael Jackson or whether it's, uh, or whether it's Beyonce, single time that they do a concert, they sell out and people come from all over the place in order to go see these people. But it's very, very rare. And I can say this for, from experience, it's very ever met somebody who was obsessive about Beyonce or somebody who's obsessive about Michael Jackson. I did back in the eighties, but you, you know, met the Bayhive yet. Be careful. Well, no, and, and and I I know that they exist, just like they know that we exist. But it's it, but we're in bubbles. We definitely are in bubbles, and I think that's one of the yeah. things that 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 that's kind of hard to, uh, kind of hard to grasp when you're kind of trying to figure out, well, why aren't they releasing this, or why aren't they doing this, or why aren't they doing that that? And and, and I believe, and and you're right. I think that's always been, um, the way that we've kind of conducted ourselves and I'm talking about you I'm talking about myself I'm talking about you know all the you know housequake and peach and black podcast all of us were trying our hardest to try to you know make sure that you know we showed our support for Prince and we did it in our own, in our own way but I think that after he passed we we definitely all were trying to you know, f- figure out. Okay, well, where where do we go from here? What 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 do we do? And it it almost became a part where a point got got to a point where, you know, who was making the most noise or who was interviewing such and such and or it it became, you know, every man for himself type of thing. And I was I was really. Um, I'll have to say that, and I don't know if you you heard any of the pre-show about you know there was there was a time when Prince was alive, where I was a little bit obsessed with trying to get trying to get Prince news out there before you did. <laughs> there was there was a time where I was always trying to get ahead of you, and and it it was frustrating because I would see stuff pop up on your site, and I was just like crap, he you know, <laughs> he beat me. And there was a few times in there where I got in front of you. And I don't know if that even got on your radar at all, but um, I, I I I did come to a point and and I came to that realization that it was really really pointless on the day that he died, uh, because because I know that I I did that post way before you did, because I reacted to TMZ, and I know that you know that I posted, 
but you were you were in but you were in the process you were in the process of going through a verification and making sure that it was actually accurate and true because everybody was coming to you to ver- you know, for that verification but that was the day that was the day that I decided that it's it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I'm first because this is one of the times that I don't want to be right this is I, I don't want to be first let me tell you uh, that morning, uh, and this is the last time I really want to talk about because I want things to just be more positive. Um, but that morning, you know, I got I got hit up by someone that usually talks to him on Thursday mornings, and they weren't able to reach him. He wasn't picking up. And then um, I asked my friend Heidi, to, who bikes, to take a, a ride down Paisley. She was there on her bike, and she's like, I'm like, how far away are you? And she's like, 20 minutes. I'm like, get to Paisley. Just let me know if something's going on there. And then she sends me photos of, like, cop cars and ambulance. And then uh, I'm trying to confirm stuff. And then uh, my, other, my cell phone's ringing. And it's Harvey from TMZ, who... I just spoke to the first time a few days before, and he's all like, Jeremiah, I'm hearing there's a body of Paisley and that it's Prince's. Can you confirm that? And I'm like, I can't confirm that, Harvey. I'm not going to do it. And he told me, I'm going live with this story in 10 minutes, and I don't hear back from you. And I sat in front of my computer, and I'm seeing my Twitter feed of people begging me to say it's not true. And I had a choice. You know, for years, broken everything from video releases to concerts to parties to after shows. I sat in front of my computer and I went, no, nah, I'm not posting this. I don't give a damn. I'm going to wait for an official release. So even when TMZ went with their story, um, like Nika Costa's husband hit me up privately and a few other people and I just said, it's not looking good. But I wouldn't say that too much publicly. And then as soon as... Um, the person that was being his PR person at the time put out the statement. Then I went with it and kind of went dark for about two hours. But um, my phone was just ringing off the hook, and then people wanted to do the interview. So I was taking that after I talked with a few certain people. But, yeah, like Harvey, like, I don't know, man. Like, sometimes I think these people get, like, a little bit of a, of a turn on, like, breaking news, like, of deaths, and I just didn't want to do that. And, yeah, I've done stuff in the past, you know, with Amy Winehouse or other things, but this is just a little too personal for me. And breaking breaking stories for a long time on him was cool when he would sometimes send me stuff. Breaking news, which was happening a lot more, like from 2013 on, I'd still find out stuff myself. Sometimes when yourselves, when yourself or other people would be me to a story, it's because he asked me not to post about it. And I'd be like, all right, fine, it's cool. Because he's like, oh, there's something else coming on that I want you to talk about next week. And I understood that. I know when, as J7, um, Housegeek wasn't too happy about me breaking stories, and I'd posted through other other things. Like I posted on the org one story first, and another story before I was doing Dr. Funkenberry, and then that person would just lift the story. And this happens on Twitter all the time, where someone tweets it first, then they just take what the work has been done by the other person. They tweeted out their own tweet. That's what people would do with the Oregon Housequake and then the Music Club and other stuff. So what I started doing was 
is posting on the org in Housequake and the Music Club at the exact same time. I'd have the screens open on my screen, submit, edit, post, you know, just because it was getting to that point. But that day, I didn't care to break the news. And then, you know, people told me about the originals a couple months ago. And I was just kind of wanting to let the estate know, like, I can know stuff and not put it out there. I know when it should be out there. I know when it shouldn't. And they wanted to know how I knew about the release. I'm like, I live in L.A. They're like, who told you? Was it a family member? Was it, was it, was it this? I'm like, it was no one that works for you guys. It was no one there. You know, you just know these things. And then people know me. You know, that's how it happened. That's how I became who I was. It's just being here, hearing stuff, being able to get news out, whether it was happening in Detroit or happening down the street or in London or Australia, I would know about it first just because things are going on here and people talk. But that was just letting them know that that's what I did before and I'm still going to do it. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with teasing people about it. And I did put, if you go back through my tweets in February, March, there was something about original thing in there. You know, and just saying that there'll be another release aside from the 1999 release that's rumored to be later this year, and that's still supposed to be on the schedule, but you never know. You know, is that supposed to? Is it rumored to be to be happening this year? It is supposed to be, yes. But things can change because you have to understand, like, you know, every three months we've been having another release from Sony. So then instead of having a release in a you know, April, how we're having, then you're having for June, and then you're having the vinyl release July 19th, we're not going to get anything from Sony then. But then after that, probably around, um, you know, you think of October, that there may be another release, or September, if Warner's is going to do something else. But that can always switch. Like, you know, people were expecting the original set in early 2019. That's going to be released in June and not vinyl until July, so it's a summer release now. Mm. You know, things you can't, until you start hearing more about it and until you get the official press release, which is what they want you guys to go by, you can't really believe it. And when it came to print stuff, see, us as fans, we were trained. Until it was in your hands, you didn't believe it was coming out. Or else, you know, I'd have Crystal Ball 2 sitting in my collection right now. You know, I'd have that music, that uh, Musicology DVD set would be sitting on my shelf. You know, we're used to stuff, him saying things, and us not getting it until it's in our hands. So that's how I'm trained, is even though there's stuff that's happening, until it's in my hands, I don't believe it. You know? Yeah, I don't blame you because yeah, we we've all experienced that, especially you know pre nineties. Um, it's you, you never knew exactly when something was going to happen or or when he would you know when he sat on it. I mean, what I, what I always found interesting was like the whole scenario that happened with the black album and Crystal Ball. You know, I I don't think that there was any type of news that you know this. I'm talking about the original the original release of it that that black the black album was canceled and and that love sexy was put in its place i I didn't know anything about you know what the reasoning was i just thought that love sexy here's prince's next album and i didn't you know i i think you had to be really tied in well with the with the the music companies and the distribution stuff and some of the um you know and some of the periodicals to really know you know 
whether or not something got pulled. And all we knew from, I mean, and we're talking about the eighties now, all we knew was that the black album was appearing as, as CDs in, in our record stores. Cause we always had record stores in Atlanta that had the bootlegs that had the stuff that you weren't supposed to have. And we didn't think anything about it. We didn't, you know, we didn't think, Oh, this is taking money out of Prince's pocket. We just thought it was just music that Prince said, you know, was strategically putting out, you know, and kind of, kind of keeping on the down low and kind of like little treats for his big time super fans and whatever, you know, we weren't thinking about it in that aspect. We were just absorbing everything that he put out. And I think that's, you know, and, you know, we're, we're teenagers in, in, in the eighties and that's, we just wanted everything just like, you know, in the nineties, how you were trying to absorb everything. You weren't probably weren't really thinking much about, you know, where the music was coming from or, or you just wanted to hear everything that you possibly could hear. And I think that's kind of where a lot of fans are right now. And it's kind of a little bit frustrating to me because I think that, um, you know, as somebody who has always been an avid you know, bootleg collector back in the day, not so much anymore because so much is available online anyways. Um, but I, I feel like they are, there's, they're sitting at the level that they're putting it out on the, at the volume that they're putting it out. We're not going to hear that. We're, we're not going to hear a lot of the stuff that, that is, that is in the vault. I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff that they're still releasing. They're still leaking out from Jimi Hendrix that you know stuff that he right. did and i'm like the, the same exact stuff is going to happen with prince's stuff we are going to be dead and gone and 20 years removed from this earth and things are still going to be un- unveiled and and that's really disheartening to me because i really 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 would love to hear some of this stuff before i die i really would lo- i i didn't even know and even as a bootleg collector i didn't know about katrina's paper dolls I didn't know about love and sex. Those were a couple tracks that I did not know about. I was totally in the dark about for whatever reason. You know, there's so much stuff that's out there. You 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 you're, you miss stuff. So I'm just I really want to hear some stuff. Release called Katrina's Paper Dolls that was being discussed before the High album. And uh, real quick, back to another thing with the Sign of the Times DVD and other stuff. I think, and of course, I didn't know this aside from Peach and Black being involved, that um, other people from the community should have been asked as well. It should have been inclusion instead of subtraction. But I had it wasn't my saying that. And now with the Black album. <laughs> You gotta go back, and I gotta go through my cell phone because it's in there because I took a photo of it because I went through my book recently. But Alan Leeds gave this whole different explanation of why the Black Album never came out. <laughs> and I gotta, gotta find that. But he gives the whole reason. I'm just like laughing at it. And it's Alan Ward. Alan's words like, yeah, Prince decided on a new sound or something like that. But I remember when the Black Album was coming out and just trying to find trying to find it there and they're like well, we don't have any Prince release on the schedule because remember at that time it was just supposed to come out and just have the you know the number the catalog number and that's it and the barcode so right. I kept going there trying to look for it and there was nothing they just like who's this kid what is the black album what are they talking about you know but <laughs> they're, they're and this is it man you gotta get your health right I gotta get my health right so we can be listening to that vault stuff when 
in our 80s and 90s in a freaking rocking chair. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm all about So, I mean, I know we only got like, we only got about 25 minutes left, but, you know, I definitely want to make sure, obviously, if there's anybody out there that still, that that has any questions, feel free to call 831 I think everybody's just kind of being entertained, just listening to us just ramble, which I knew kind of was going to happen. They kind of figured that the other questions are eventually going to get answered. But if we still haven't answered your question that you, that's been burning, 831-777-3865. Again, that's 831-777. And funk, and um, you can feel free to ask us any questions. I want to make sure, you know. Obviously, this has been a lot of your fans and a lot of people who haven't heard from you in a while. This is actually very refreshing for them because while you have done a couple of podcasts, podcasts they were very short and they were very slim on a lot of content, really. Because I don't think that you really you know, really kind of really wanted to flesh out some of the things that you really kind of wanted to discuss. So I, since we, you know, we've had you for the better part of, you know, two and a half hours here now already, is there anything that I've, that you kind of felt like you wanted to cover? I know we, we've kind of covered some ground you probably didn't want to cover, like the sign of the times release in Europe. And I, my apologies about that, but I really kind of felt like I wanted you to be able to defend yourself in that regard, you know, in, in that, in that instance, because I'll be honest, if I was approached by the European branch of whatever, whatever, that was going to be releasing sign of the times. And they asked me to do a forward, or they asked me to be involved in any form or fashion. I absolutely positively would have. And, and I don't think that anybody, anybody that has, that is doing anything Prince related, whether it's, whether it's housequake, whether it's the Prince podcast, whether it's whoever it is, I can't think of anybody that would have said no in that regard. Absolutely positively. Nobody would have gone through the process of let me call paisley park and see if it's okay nobody would have done any of that so i so for me personally i completely 100 percent do not blame you for getting involved in that process i absolutely would have done it but again and i don't want to recap on that because i think we've discussed that enough but i I definitely want to make sure that that you know is is there anything that we have that we have not covered that you feel like you know probably needs to be addressed and we do actually have another caller here we can we can take that call if you want to think about it a little bit first or is there something that's burning that yeah, you- other things and then just want to answer some fans questions that we may not have been able to touch but yeah let's uh take the other caller right now all right so we got another caller from the 405 area code welcome to funked up who's on the line May Ling, how are you? Hey, May Ling, little red Corvette in the house. <laughs> in the house. Hello, Dr. Funkenberry. Hello. <laughs> I just wanted, since you're talking about um, Sign of the Times, I think it's really important as a journalist for me and as a person who grew up in Minnesota with a lot of these people that we also listen to what people have said that knew Prince before he was famous. And also, you know, the the younger, the people that knew him back in the day, as well as the other folks that are out there writing these books. And of course, I'm writing a book, and I think I have some information that is relevant to my life and my story about Minneapolis. But when people write books, they're in bookstores, and that keeps the awareness up about Prince. Even if we don't agree with the books, if we're not sure about the books, 
you know, everybody has these different stories. You know, Kim Berry's book has been really hotly debated, but there are stories in there that I've never heard. You know, so I think we just need to keep an open mind as well about, you know, all of that kind of stuff and not be so judgmental when people come from what may seem to be obscurity like I did. And then people are like, well, who the hell is this? Well, I was someone who was in his life when he was 18. I was 18 and he was 20. So for me, when I listened to Sign of the Times, as you know, Mr. Christopher, mm-hmm. and I heard the last the phone say, let's fall in love, get married, have a baby. If it's a boy, we'll call him Nate. I was like, oh, no. Really, Nate? Really, Prince? Because my boyfriend before Prince's name was Nate. And we had a, a funny little story that Prince and I had that day about Nate, who's that skinny dude I always used to see you with. So for me, that line in Signs of Times is like, oh, wow. Is he giving me a shout out after you know eight years? Yeah, well, well, and 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 he got he got a lot of that now, and and this is not, I mean, and this is this is not just you. This is this is a lot of people who said that. I mean, that and, and 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 a lot of people and a lot of people point because this is kind of being able to disseminate. Uh, you know what's actually true and what's actually not. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he he wrote the flow on the symbol album. I mean, there, there's there's some pretty hardcore stuff that he says about people who who you know claim to know about a history. You know, another fool don't know what you're talking about. Like the woman who tried to approach and attempt to roast and even boast about how she knew me when. Damn, here we go again. You know, all that stuff. You know, right. It, and it, it, right. And it, it, if you listen to stories that Morris Hayes and all of them have said about how Prince wrote songs and how he's kept songs and how Prince even said, he will add something in when it works. You know, so for me, a married woman with two children, not in hopelessly in love with Prince, you know, we were friends, we were lovers. Mm-hmm. And I'm right now, and I hear this like, you know, a skinny man in the beginning in France, well, Nate is the skinniest man I have ever dated. He is really skinny. And I have pictures of him. He's still alive. So, you know, we talk. And everybody who knows me back in the day at the club, Gary Hines, all the people, Jerome, they know I dated Nate. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. think he had he had a lot of he he buried yeah, yeah, he, yeah I I don't disagree that he buried a lot of uh, a lot of you know double double meanings and stuff uh, in, in, in in his songs absolutely yeah there there's definitely no doubts right. about and that I, I felt a little bit offended to be quite honest with you Dr Funkenberry when I was tagged to go and listen to your um, one of your shows and you said who this woman is it's writing about Little Red Corvette. When the people you were mentioning, they didn't even know me because I was I was gone before they came, and I just feel like people should just ease up a little bit. And I'm not writing a book about anything that is going to be negative toward Prince. I'm writing about my life in Minnesota and my encounters with Prince and Jerome and and Jimmy and Terry and Sue Ann and all these people and David Ellis and Gary Hines that I have known since I was. 12 years old and I feel like I have something that I can bring to the table and I think we need to stop doing that because there are people out there that I personally know that have stories that will be in my book that you all have never heard 
when Prince was even younger than that. Well, so, I mean, I think we just need to be open before we start judging. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and I, in, in to speak to kind of, you know, a little bit about Kim Berry, I mean, I, I, I personally know Kim. I mean, I haven't, you know, I, I've met her many, many times and we've hung out many, many times. We were on, you know, we were on the cruise together and I spent days with her and, and she, and she, she is a wonderful human being. I'll just go ahead and say that right out of the gate. So I, I kind of felt a little bit, um, I know that everything that she's kind of been through and I understand, you know, some, I understand both sides of, of perception about the negativity that comes from her book and the and positivity that comes from her book. And, and, but, but, but they can't, you know, unless like you're saying, I mean, unless you were actually there, it's it's best just to kind of take in the story and kind of understand and maybe just at least to give you a different view and a different perception. Your your story, your story. Yeah. I mean, your story is is obviously going to be more mired in you know a lot of your family history because you have a lot of you know, political history and stuff like that uh, and, and, and coming up. But, you know. Um, I, I think, I think that's kind of where we're all getting to and, and what kind of Jeremiah was, was alluding to as well is that I think, I think we've, we've kind of all have come to a point where we've all kind of bumped heads at some point in time, but that, that period, that moment right now is, is, has, has got to be over and we have to kind of be more receptive and kind of understand the different aspects and the different perspectives that are going to be coming from a but on the same note, on the same right. note, the the problem the problem that also happens with that is that there's a lot of people telling stories that aren't true, and there's no way to confirm, and so y- you've got to also have this level of right. So who are you to judge? If, unless you were in the room with me, and you right. know, or wherever, you know, there are lots of people that can collaborate my stories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, understood. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is that I'm not doing anything to hurt him. I'm actually trying to show people the person that I knew, the mm-hmm. young prince that was still wearing jeans, you know, and and just that whole, you know, growing up in Minnesota and going to the clubs and the pimps and the, all that stuff and the people that, you know, I was raised up with who were musical people, you know, like, just throw a name out, Tony Walker. His father had Walker Studio. He's Lettucey's uh, uh, music director, and he's played with everybody in the country. There's so many people that people don't know about because unless you were in that little circle, you know what I mean, you really didn't hear about them until they busted out, and then you may not even know that they were involved with Prince. Yeah, well, I'm looking you know, forward to hear, I'm so, looking forward to hearing all those stories, and and uh, it's it's going to be. When do do you have a date for this book yet? Do we have a date? Well, no, I'm not going to give a date until. Oh, I here we go. You know, here at, we go. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I don't want to disappoint people, so I'm at the end. I'm working with you know my editor, right. and um, I have you know. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say, but I say it's gonna be out. Well, so, you you met you, you know, make sure make sure a, a memoir, right? Well, make sure that we're one of the first people yeah. to know when it drops because I definitely want to make sure that that I give it a read and because uh, I, I mean we're because oh, we're all yeah. interesting. We're we're starving for all those bits and pieces. Obviously, that we, that that's an yeah. obvious. And I mean, I just want people to know that you know, I would do nothing to harm Prince. 
And, you know, I have really fond memories of our relationship and my friendship with him and Jerome and them forever. I've stayed in touch with these people. So, you know, I just want to share, first of all, my story, which is really the whole part of the book, and then Prince is involved in that story. So, you know, it's very, I, I think, as you already know, you know, my book has a lot of ups and downs, cry, you laugh, you find out stuff about Minnesota that you never knew. And um, I think it's a really intriguing book. And I hope that, you know, people will read it for what it's worth. Yeah. And when it comes out, you know, I'm not, I'm not in any rush. You know, I'm not right. out there you know, for that reason. This is something yeah. that I have wanted to do for a long, long time and started another book, you know, and then was going to mention it in that book way back in 2001. Right. So when I did all the interviews, Back in 2001 and then 2006, you know, with Chaka Khan and Dr. Fink and all those people. Um, 2004, 2006. Yeah, so, I mean, Prince knew I was writing a book. He just didn't know what kind of book. And, I mean, he should have because I sent letters to his lawyer and everybody. But it was really a tribute to him. That particular book was really a tribute to him. But anyway, I just wanted to give you all a shout out. I appreciate what you all do keeping his legacy alive, his memory alive. And, you know, like you said, we're all up in our 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We have to give the young people something to want to read and want to listen to and get them engaged and that his legacy, you know. And it's dealing with the little children and dealing with the teenagers. And so we have to keep doing that. Right. That's what I like about David school, you know, and you know, dealing with the young people and the Purple Playground and all of that. So, well, that's all I want to say. Well, thank you so, thank you so, so much for calling. Oh, well, thank you so much for calling. And let us know when that book comes out. But, uh, all right. Thanks, dear. Okay. Sorry, I think we, I think we had a bad connection. You're, you're, you still there, Jeremiah? I'm here. Okay, just making sure you're still there. Um, yeah, and I, I think I, I, you know, she does bring up, she brings up a valid point too, because, you know, we're so focused on, on the music, uh, a part of it, but there, but she's right that there is the, the written part of this as well. The, the written history, the books from Dwayne Tudal, uh, you know, and of course you had my taste book and, you know, all these books that are coming out, you know, how do you feel, you know, I, I kind of. I kind of alluded to it a little bit as far as, you know, Prince's perception of, of people writing about him. And I thought he <laughs> dressed, that's the reason why I, I kind of brought up the song, the flow. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, so many people that are writing stuff that, um, you know, can't be, um, that, that this can't be verified. And, and, and that's, and that's, what's really, really, um, you know, trying to, read that kind of stuff or take that in with a grain of salt and trying to separate out the the fact from the fiction. Um, you know, I know in Mei Ling's case, you know, you know, she's got a lot, she's got a lot of people directly in the Prince camp who back up a lot of things that she says that has been in, that she's been involved with, including, you know, not to drop names, but Jerome Benton and I mean, TC Ellis and a lot of these people who knew who she was. And so, you know, there, there's verification, but you know, how do you feel about, about the written side of things, about what people are writing. And, you know, obviously at this point, his inability to kind of be able to, you know, confront or, or, you know, conflict the information that's coming out. 
I feel that by the time 2021 happens, we're going to have more books out than there is vinyl. That's how I feel. Is that the reason why you haven't written your book? Huh? Is that the reason why you haven't written your book? Is you kind of feel like, you know, is it going to be worth it as far as the feedback is concerned? No, my story isn't being done, being told. And the whole thing is, is, you know, he wanted to write a book with me. It came out of his mouth. You know, uh, we need to do this. We need to do that. Uh, the story isn't done being being told yet with other people that uh, some people may not have known about before. You know, there's other things that is just the known, as we were talking about earlier. So those things need to come in place. And it probably won't be just one book. You know, it'll probably be multiple. I mean, you look at Sinatra and all the books on him and how sick they are. That's how the books on Prince have to be because he's more than 1981 through 1986. He's more than being born in 1958 and then the story ends at the premiere of Purple Rain. He's more than that. And there's more to tell. And right now, that's what it's kind of about. And uh, there's a lot more interesting stories that have happened aside from that. So to me, I know that people want me to do it. There's a rush. Oh, you have money into this, and I'm like, there's just certain things that just aren't doing it. And I don't feel it's my time yet. You know, when when was discussing doing the book with me, um, I thought we had a few more years. I wasn't in a rush to start it, and I have a pretty big regret over that. So my main thing is, is that. You know, he may have changed his mind the next day anyway about writing it. But um, I want this to be a definitive guide. I don't want it to be gossip. I don't want it to be 200 pages. I want it to be longer. And there'll probably be multiple books, and I probably wouldn't start with the Purple Rain era because there is more than that. Right. And that's something that the needs to do is we need to have more than 82 through 86 with t-shirts and with other stuff you know or for you let's go to the future like for each old image of him that we're putting on a t-shirt let's put one that was recent with third eye girl or another era when there's um you know a new release coming out and this is the future not now with sony because they're trying to recoup the money that they put into getting um the catalog that they have, but in the future, you know, an album comes out, they have a t-shirt with it, then there's kind of like, you're putting out a single, I'm like, today's music's really struggling anyway, so to put out a reissue of something purple or have it be, be something that's serviced to streaming services or maybe a different mix or alternate, there's nothing wrong with that. We need to look at different avenues in order to get stuff out. And that's the whole thing is, you know, he is more than 82 through 86. Was that one of his most popular times? 100%. It's also when he wasn't fighting with Warner Brothers. He started having the fights in 87. They still allowed him to do what he wanted by appearing nude on an album cover. 
Batman made things smooth, but then Graffiti Bridge lost the money. They delivered a hit with Diamonds of Pearls, but then stuff was still going south because they couldn't keep up with him. So, talking about 82 through 86, that's when everything was getting along swimmingly. You know, the only problem was that they didn't like the title track off of 1999. They ended up changing three songs off of that. So, um... Yeah, well, what you're what you're talking about though is something that would be truly exhaustive. I mean, you know, obviously something that's going to be, you know, the 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 true beginning to end story is is. I mean, there's no way, even if somebody we would be willing to take on something that large, uh, it'd still be a massive, massive undertaking. I mean. I mean, even with what Dwayne Tudal was doing with the Purple Rain era studio sessions and just covering that particular part, that book is thick as crap, and 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 and, and, it, and it interweaves it interweaves stories and stuff as personal stories, but even even with that, there's still so much that is missing because there were so many elements that he couldn't get because some people weren't comfortable with talking to him so even with exhaustive as just those few years are there was still this massive you know massive amount of information that was not there i just don't think with a person the way that prince was i don't think there is any way that anybody could do or create something that would be that that would just appease everybody. I mean, there's there's going to be that that pre period before he was famous that only people like Andre Simone and only people uh, you know like Jerome and like people like Mei Ling and like people that all those people that knew him before before he even made it big, before he even hit. Were, you know, there's so many pieces that are just going to get dropped, and he was such an active individual, just like you were saying. There were so many things that they, I mean, it wasn't just Warner Brothers that couldn't keep up with him. We couldn't keep up with him. It's like for every single thing that he put out, which seems to be a never-ending you know, flow of music, there was twice as much music that was being created and that was just being thrown into a vault. What do you feel about what do you feel about this book that's coming out with the beautiful ones where he's actually you know been involved in in part part of the writing? What is your feeling about how the book was able to be completed even though he didn't you know he he wasn't able to complete it himself? What are your feelings on on this release? I look forward to it. Um, I did talk with Dan Pippenberg in 2017 about it and you know hopefully they're going to stick to where you know they're publishing his 50 pages along with all work that he's done through the years and i'm sure you know they asked the family to be involved and other stuff you look at the cover photo um you know of course i was really wanting what he wanted um which was for it to go up to the super bowl in 2007 but now it's going up to purple rain again um, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully, maybe there'll be more volumes. That this is a memoir, and unfortunately, he only completed a certain amount. So maybe right. we have more volumes, tell stories, or do other things. Um, I would have liked, you know, a more recent photo. Maybe that's just me. And you could still have those photos on the inside. Someone was coming to me like. You know, I like to like the photo. I don't want to, you know, I want to see a photo like that. I'm like, you're not, you're still going to be able to see it, you know, but 
you know, it's a younger prince, and I just have to go into it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope they did a really good job. I don't ever want to see things fail. I want things to succeed, you know? Right. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and, and spending the better part of three hours, you know, just, just rambling. And we haven't even scratched the surface. I, I, I'm fully believe that if we weren't under the gun to stop at 11 o'clock, we could easily talk for a few more hours. So hopefully you'll come back on the show and we'll, we'll, we'll do this again and wrap it up even, you know, put even more into it. Um, and uh, I know that we're kind of we, we're you and I are talking about things uh, offline about you know uh, you know being a little bit more involved in, in kind of pushing some stuff out for for people who are funked up fans and uh, fans of the of, of the radio show which is a twenty four seven pretty much Prince machine. Uh, if you love this show, you need to just continue listening because we, that's all we do is just play Prince pretty much almost 24-7. So hopefully you guys, uh, new listeners, will will start you know playing with this app a little bit more. And once the show's over, you're going to hear tons of, tons of more Prince stuff. And, of course, some of the things that I'm obviously hoping for is that we have more involvement from, uh, from Funkenberry. And you know, getting some of his broadcasts and trying to rebroadcast some of this stuff on uh, on a regular basis here on this radio station, so that you know you guys can continue supporting him. And uh, I I I appreciate everything that you do. You've always kind of been the the pinnacle of Prince reporting, um, as as far as the new you know dissemination of news and and just kind of you know being there on on the front lines. And I know there's. You know, you have fans all around the nation, uh, and I'm uh, again, I'm, I'm just appreciative that you took the time out to come on the show, man. I really appreciate it. It's all good. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone else. If people want to donate to me or the podcast, go to drfunkenberry.com. Um, I feel bad that we didn't get to any fan questions. I was on social media. I will rectify that with my show this week because you guys had a lot of good questions. And uh, I appreciate everyone's time. And obviously, we could go on for a lot longer. So we'll see about getting on again and discussing other things. Absolutely. So be prepared for a part two, because there was so much that we were not able to able to cover. And we want to we definitely want to rectify that. And he had a lot of questions and stuff from fans that we just weren't able to get to. We've already crammed in two and a half hours of stuff. And if you miss any of this broadcast, we will be doing it. But for right now, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Funkatopia Live. Thank you all. Funkatopia Live and Funked Up is the online radio station of Funkatopia and is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Pacey Park or the estate of Prince Rogers Nelson. Yet. <laughs>